Konnichiwa, ni hao, jambo, morhaba, ave. It's uh, it's time for the Armist Inquisition yet again, coming in your ears at 96 kilobits per second on Sunday the 21st of November, episode 208. I'm Armish Phil. I'm Armish Ben. I'm Armish Matt. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. We've got Ryan back with us, the sorcerer of secret science, Ryan Seven. Hello, how you doing out there in the internet? Very well. We're, uh, we're going to carry on pretty much from where we left last week, aren't we? And uh, do some more more uh, decoding of the ancient wisdom. Mm. The ancient mystery is. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yes. It got quite intense last time, I think. So uh, I was, <laughs> the sequels are usually twice as much. I was, <laughs> I was thinking, like, um, even, you know, someone who's, like, not completely unfamiliar with this stuff, who's done a bit of reading around it, I'm still going to have to watch them a few times, yeah, yeah, because mm-hmm. there's just so much, and you, you things, little things that you notice as you go in that you you'll notice the second time that you maybe missed the first time. So mm-hmm. they're very rich, especially because I've done this through images rather than just talking Visu- about visual it. images, yeah, visual images. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, these things are dense and very depthful. They, they've you know, they, they say about a lot of the occult images that they have at least four layers of, of meaning to them. That's not strictly true, but it, they're getting at something, basically. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking what we were just saying before, it might be a good idea just for anyone who missed last week. Well, first of all, you need to go... Go and listen to it now. <laughs> yeah, go and listen to it or go and watch it first, but maybe just to give a quick, brief overview for the people who watched it a week ago, maybe it's... You know, sort mm-hmm. of the basic, basic overview of what we covered last week. Okay, so I had been studying the mystery traditions, the secret things that the ancients and the modern people were doing. And through those searches, I was looking at the tarot. The tarot then led me to look at something called a Sator Square, which it turned out there was an example of quite locally to me. And I went and had a look at it at about one o'clock in the morning and was quite amazed that those images looked less Christian. They were in a Christian churchyard and more old pagan, as they would say, religion, very, very taroistic, very, they had an alchemical magical bent to them. Bearing in mind, these are like medieval images. So things, things are transitioning anyway that the medieval world's picking up from the ancient world and kind of regurgitating a few things they've got. Not quite at the Enlightenment yet, but it does carry through the Enlightenment. In fact, this information sparked the Enlightenment. It was, um, was it Medici? 
that uh, said stop translating Plato or whoever, and we found the the Hermetica Hermes Trismegistus. This is where the wisdom is, and so they, they chucked all the the much lauded philosophers to one side and, and studied Hermes, who is Mercury from alchemy. And that basically started the Renaissance, wow. funnily enough. Yeah, and some of the things you pointed out last week, just like on initial viewing of these stones, are things that scream like Templars or mm-hmm. uh, Saturn. Saturn, that, that was what we got down to. The square itself says Sator Aripo Tenet Opera. Rotas. It's a five by five square and can be read in lots of different directions. And from that square, you can pull out words like Satan and Aeon and other Saturnian gods. And we derived that Saturn is actually a god of time and that he seems to be intermingled with Christianity somehow. Yeah. There's a veneer there. It seems to be peeling back not just a veneer from these pillars, these pillars proposing themselves to be what would be modern Christian, but in fact there's like a Gnostic Christian mysticism layer at the back of it. And this mysticism isn't something just Christianity has. It's something all the traditions share to a greater or lesser extent. And it was something that was stamped out by the the Universal Church, the Catholic Church, Mm -hmm. in the early centuries. I mean, it pretty much died out around the 4th century, maybe, AD, the Gnostic sort of stuff. They were persecuted, weren't they? They were. However, what the Vatican did was take it for themselves. So the Pope's two keys are the keys of Janus (laughs) and Kibel. Kibel, Sibylle, it's a strange-looking word. Yeah. And... These are basically the keys to the spring and the autumn. Uh, Within Saturn's remit, as we were saying last time, is the power of the force. This idea that there's uh, a death and rebirth, and during that process you can gain the energy necessary for rebirth, going from winter to spring would be the analogy that's used, but this power can be accessed and we were kind of getting towards looking at it mm-hmm. however we were noticing lots of other things around this that that there's something to do with time and numbers and there were some potions included in what we were talking about there were, there were some magic uh, love potions in the form of hallucinogenic entheogenic drugs but we were only alluding to that so far, we've basically said that Saturn is the pole star and he is the still point around which all time moves him being the god of time. Yeah. Anything else anybody would like to bring up? That No, shall we plow, plow on? That's pretty ace, yeah. Because well. we talked about the plow as well, didn't we? <laughs> there, was so, there was so much crammed in. Seriously, go and check it. Go and check it. If yeah. you've already seen it, that, that was probably a nice refresher, but, you know, go and check that first episode. So shall we carry on with slides then? Shall we, love? Yeah. Oh, look at that. Look at that. So we discussed um, the Cairo symbol, which is on the next slide. That's that PX. A Kai is the X and the P is a roll. A P and an R are interchangeable and are pretty much the same thing in, in Greek, even though this is in Latin. This is how they were playing it. (laughs) 
So uh, we looked at this symbol and said, even though it's related to Christianity, that Cairo is really Kronos, the old Roman god of time. That's where we get chronology from. And this is measured by the whirling of the heavens. Uh, we had uh, a cross of the sun, which denoted spring, summer, autumn and winter, i.e. the equinox and solstice, and that people were watching the plough as it goes around the pole star to find the pole star and uh, to see what time it was, basically. Around the pole star is also the Ouroboros serpent, which we'll get into later on. But uh, we're essentially looking at the heavens and using them as an analogy for ourselves and for other things. Mm -hmm. Cool. Cool. So um, within that, we also were getting on to the fact that Moses is in the bottom right-hand corner there. Now, he has a serpent and a pole. The tree is the pole. It's the axis mundi. It's the thing that links the earth and the heavens. There's the pole of the earth, which is a, a skew-with angle, and there's the pole of the heavens, which is just going straight up, basically. Uh, again, what's the previous episode? So Moses there, uh, when he went into the desert, he uh, was... His people were poorly, and they were like, oh, we've been poisoned. Can I pop that down there? Yeah. Uh, we've been poisoned. And Moses was like, hey, everybody chill out. Uh, come over here. He checked this serpent out. We'll put it on a pole. He called it a brazen serpent, like brass or fiery. So he put it on this pole, and everyone was cured of these snake bites. He took another snake and put it on the pole, and everyone was cured. And we're getting towards this kind of Kundalini thing, and there's a philosophy going on here as well that we'll get into later on. Also, there next to Moses are two little goats that will climb a very spiny-looking tree, and those two goats are symbolizing Capricorn, and uh, they're from Sumeria or Babylon or Syria, somewhere like that. And they're symbolizing this horny old goat energy that that one of the aspects of Saturn has, which is the devil, the devil and Satan. It's all the same character. It's just basically what what time does, what, what Saturn is, is the, is the last planet out that the ancients could see, stroke first one in. So he's the boundary around things. So when you just, that's materiality. So when you just focus on materiality, this Saturnian principle, you become the devil. And we'll see later on that actually, um, especially in the Kabbalah, this principle of Saturn seen as being feminine because it's like the matrix to things that time and space are the actual fundamental. And that, um, whereas Jupiter would be the rules, this expansive thing where we say, okay, uh, wait a minute, uh, we're going to die. So let's not just eat chocolate flavored crisps. <laughs> uh, you know, we make a rule because Saturn, his father makes the laws, i.e., Cholesterol will kill the human body because of the laws of physics, basically. And that's what Saturn is. He is this ma matrix, M matrix being like mother, mater. Yeah, it raises an interesting question there that you mentioned that the ancients used Saturn as this analogy for time. Mm -hmm. it, it implies that they knew that it was the furthest planet from the sun, the furthest visual, uh, visible Vis planet visible, from the sun. Yeah. I presume. The only way they could have known that would be by calculating the orbit through observation. Absolutely. Yeah. And that orbit is in synchronicity with the 
Orbit of the Moon. Oh, right. Um, that it's 29.5 years for Saturn and 29.5 days in a month for the moon. So you get guys like Jed David Icke that, that start, in my opinion, start to read it totally wrong and say, Saturn's this control center that limits you, and then the moon's broadcasting it to you. And it's a just, to me, it's a, a misreading of this, this mysticism, which is basically that Saturn's this limiting factor and, and the moon is like seen as the last stage of metaphysics before it pops out and hits you. It's like a lens. Everything that came before it gets lensed out through the moon, through the unconscious, which is true. All these things are philosophically true, if not actually true. Cool. So in the middle there, we've got Carl Jung. He's got serpents. That's Carl. That's not actually Carl Jung. It's one of Carl Jung's drawings. Got a tough paper around. Yeah. So, sorry, I can't get that out of my head. That was brilliant. Um, So... Yeah, he's got all these animals, these instinctual, uh, unconscious creatures at the bottom of the tree that are kind of gnawing on the roots of the tree. The tree symbolizes unity. The fact that the whole universe gathers as it gets towards this pole star point. Uh, And then you get things like um, alchemy on the bottom left. That's the tree of life with seven serpents around the top. The planets were seen as serpents. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, and obviously that tree gets towards unity. You'll see that, I can't see from here, but I'm pretty sure that'll be Mercury, the symbol for Mercury at the top that looks like a caduceus, two oh. little horns, yeah? Excuse me. Um, and it's this unity tree, basically. You know, all the branches, as many branches there are, there's a single root. We use it, you know, the tree of life is still an analogy for life. No, if David Attenborough was talking. Sure. Much as I like to compare myself to Dave. <laughs> right so uh we spoke briefly about how the christmas tree is the same symbol the serpent of time stroke kundalini stuff <laughs> uh wraps up the tree in the form of tinsel then you've got the baubles which are the stars and then at the top of the tree is the pole star stroke pineal gland right the pineal gland is a unified organ. It's the only unified organ in the body. It's not split into two parts. Oh, really? Yeah. That's an interesting... Isn't that interesting? And some people... This is in your brain. It's right in the middle of your brain, just like the pole stars right in the middle of the heavens. Right. And some people call it like the third eye. The like seat the, of the soul. Yeah. It's been called many things. This is all speculative. It has links to DMT. So we're starting to see these same concepts cycling over and over again, that that these heavens whirling around are an analogy for something in you, that you are an axis mundi, that this pole of the earth, the pole, uh, the pillars of the masons, the Christmas tree, however you want to look at it, the jed pillar of, of Osiris, all of these things are you as much as they're anything else. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life and death are Equally, the pillars of the earth and galaxy and the pillar are the two pillars within you. Those two pillars are the nervous system and the um, cardiovascular system. Oh, right. Essentially, the endocrine system. 
So the nervous system, would that be sort of the spinal cord going up there and it's finishing the spinal, it? The spinal column, yeah. And then you can imagine that it goes into nerve endings like a tree, like tree roots tree. or tree mm-hmm. branches, mm-hmm. yeah. But what about cardiovascular? How, how, is, how is that? Is that the same? That's similar. Like if you look similar, at a set yeah. of lungs, um, you can see the... You know, the bronchioles and yeah well that's jazz yeah it's, it's, it's via that well. system that essentially everything's pumped around so you know the nervous system indicates to the endo the endocrine systems all your hormones which are basically the seven nerve the, there are different glands on the end of your nerve endings that come from your spine and there are essentially seven of them like seven planets or seven chakra so we're we're getting, we're getting beyond ourselves. It's a nice little teaser, but let's not go too far. Uh, so we've had this Christmas tree, which we've essentially said is this Cairo, this PX symbol with the Alpha and Omega, and that denotes time. Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The masculine A, the feminine Omega. The P is Saturn's scythe, but it's also the plow and the pole star. And... Essentially, the juxtaposition of the tilt of the Earth, if we if we look to the image of the Earth with a little circle above it next to the PX, mm. uh, we can see that that's on an axis of a, approximately 23.5 degrees, from, from 21 to 25 degrees, but approximately 23.5. And because of that axis, we have the seasons, so it's time. These are the factors of time. Now, that point of the pole star changes over a long period of time over the aeons we've spoke about aeon being yeah. infinity and or a very very long period of time uh so the pole star because of this axis of the earth changes over this long period of time so it's never ever the same and this is where we get the aerobarous serpent that the, this serpent of time is going along the marks of its back essentially and it, it will it, return to the same point. It will return to the same point. The long count, which oh, I'm guessing God. we're going to get to we at some point. We are definitely going to get to Because I love that sort of <laughs> yeah. stuff, the procession. Uh, yeah. Excellent. Uh, so um, we were saying that a lot of this information is in the tarot, and that's how I've come to it. It's not a silly divination system. It's a condensation of these mystery traditions. Survived fortunately, and easy to access. Uh, and so that Cairo was also called a Tauro. And we're going to quickly decode that now. And we're going to compare my crappy drawing on the left that I just threw up quickly because there's nearly 100 slides here. So, it was a case <laughs> of, you know, so just throw it up quickly. Uh, so what we've got is... If you look to the image to the far left, we have, a, we have a pole. Well, that's the pole of the Earth. Those planet, that, that T bar for the T cross are the planets, the planetary plane, the ecliptic. Yep. So even though those are uh, right angled uh, to each other, they aren't actually, they're, they're a bit skew with by 23.5 degrees, which creates time. And at the top of that pole is the plow. Uh, I've written a plow stroke scythe and I've just ri- written Draco next to a funny swoosh over the top because uh, that's the, the, the dragon, the serpent that eats its own tail at the top. 
Now, if we look to the very right of the bottom row, we see a serpent nailed to a cross. So we can see that that serpent is the planetary, the ecliptic. We'll see why the planets are seen as serpents. Well, an easy, quick definition is that that curling motion that the serpent makes up that pole is the same as the planets make when you look at them because they're always going into retrograde, which means they go backwards. Because we... Oh, if you're observing from Earth. If you're observing from Earth, everything seems to go backwards because we'll go on the opposite side of the sun to them and what seemed like they were going one way, suddenly they're going the other way because we've looked at it from the opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah. A bit like someone holding a left hand out and then you walk around behind them and to you it's suddenly the right hand. Sure. If you know what I mean, that swaps sides, like looking in the mirror. So we're going to refer that also to these kundalini things that we were saying before kundalini by the way to people uh, for people that don't know is the idea that through things like special techniques of yoga you can summon an energy from near the pelvis that can go up the spine and activate your brain in a different way and that nailing of the serpent would be the, the fixing of this state Mm. Right. And, and also the, the, the getting off the wheel of fate because those planets for the ancients as they do for astrologers now symbolize fate as it were because those are the variables that are happening in, in life and each one of them depending on where they are symbolizes a different aspect of psyche or reality so now if we look at the second image from the left we can see a Mayan stroke Aztec, oh, for the life of me, can't remember now, I think it's Mayan, um, Tau Row crosses that you can see just by looking at it, it's the same. It looks the same. On the top is a very psychedelic macaw, and that is the, uh, it says there, it's the Big Dipper, but it's the plow. Same thing. And then we can see a double-headed serpent underneath that on the T-bar. And that is the ecliptic, the planets, these planets, like we said, that that are in many ways they're serpents, in more interesting ways than I just discussed, the serpents. And then underneath that we've got basically the the um the axis of the earth leading up to the, the Milky Way. So it's it's all just the same. They're all the same symbol. <laughs> they're all a symbol of their cosmology. Right. The cosmology being the earth and then seven planets the moon mercury venus all based on the orbital speed as phil said before uh, the moon mercury venus uh the sun mars jupiter saturn then so these those were the wandering stars the planets because they moved in relation to each other but the stars in the background didn't move in relation to each other those were the fixed stars yeah. this was seen as like being almost infinity very nearly infinity, where the aeons come from, which is this slower processional movement, but we'll, we'll get into that. The p- procession is a backwards movement due to the axis of the earth. Mm-hmm. So, so now, as proof of this, I cite to you <laughs> this angle. If you look in the top left, we can see Osiris being risen, who pretty much exactly delineates the that angle. And we can see next to that in the second image from the top right is the 23, uh, 21 to 25 degree 
i.e. 23.5 of the axis of the Earth. And then on the next image again, it's the raising of the jet with Osiris on the right there. And the the jet is is the axis of the Earth, the the coming of the summer, the falling of the winter, whatever it is. Um, And every time you see this green line, basically, it is that angle of 23.5 degrees. One, One of the problems here will be as we go through this presentation, especially into the later stages, is that some of these things line up so well, they're difficult to see because they actually draw over the thing that's supposed to be aligning over, if you know what I mean. Right. So, who's, uh, the, who's this ugly grey guy in the middle? So the that is image? Mithras stroke, Aeon stroke, Uranus stroke, victim. Stroke victim. So, this is that was a, supposed to be a joke. Oh, sorry. Wrong <laughs> joke victims. <laughs> This is Roman, isn't it? Mithras. Mithras, yeah, and Aeon before. It's basically the same thing, yeah. But he's, he's Persian originally. I don't want to answer too much, but the last card of the tarot is to the his bottom left. Has he um, got an iPhone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, got, he's got a key, which we've seen before, which I will say is the, um, the plough, <laughs> if you think of the shape of the plough. That's that. <laughs> Which are the same as the the keys of Saint Peter. I wish I'd have got this slide. We will we'll see it for next time. <laughs> There'll be a next time, I'm sure. And we've another one. Bottom left, we've got this serpent again, the Caduceus symbol, the one you see on Doctor's uh, Red Cross yep. and stuff like that. The yep. serpent travelling round the pole. It's... And then we've got your stones again. We've got the stones and the our Saturn, our time god, who's all in a big T on a cross is holding a ruler because there's a weight and a measure. And that ruler is at 23.5 degrees. Of course it is. Of course it is. (laughs) (laughs) So he's above Jesus, who we're also denoting is essentially a teacher God for these powers of time, for this resurrection part of Saturn. He's like the human aspect of the God. The teach, he's a teacher, Jesus, just like a lot of these guys were Mercury and... A lot of uh, occult authors, they refer to him as a master. Master Jesus. A yeah. master, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can understand it, yeah. He's, he's a, he is, the, as, as Jung would have said, he is the perfect archetype. So I, I've come to Jung again recently from studying all these things because I realised that he could confirm it all for me. I'd gone and done it all for myself, which I'm grateful for, even though it was a pain in the backside. But... Uh, reading young, you know, going back to young, you know, I've, I had tidbits. I, I, I got young, but not really. And just really going in depth in his work, he, he, he very much lines up with what I've been doing. His last, his last book, I don't know. His most difficult book was Aeon, which was, which is that God there and the God on these pillars. So, wow, which talks a lot about fish as well and the meaning of the serpent and things like that, which is totally what these pillars go into. Uh, as, as I was saying, the, to the bottom left of our ugly lion-headed friend, that is um, the same character, essentially, on the last card of the, of the tarot from a medieval deck, surrounded by a, a lion, a bull, an eagle, and a man, which we've already said is this galactic cross. Mithras himself, though, is on a... It's all right, carry on, man. I don't know what's happened to Matt. Oh, you there, Matt? Just, just switched off. It just switched off, or you? Oh, you just off. switched off. <laughs> <laughs> just bored now. Yeah. No, I don't know what happened. We're on the we're on the slide with. Um, it's got loads of 
different pictures of sort of gods with yeah. the uh, green the, highlighted pole at 23 and a half degrees. Yeah, the pole dancers. The pole dancers. The pole yeah. dancer, I like that. Yeah. So uh, that card's called The World and is, is considered the completion of the work of Tarot, this Tao role. This this work of the heavens, remembering that Sator Aripotenet Opera Rotas means the sower Saturn holds the work of the wheels, and these are these are the wheels we're doing. These wheels of time, the wheel of, of the planets, the wheel of the heavens spinning around us, mm. which is beautifully poetic. And here we go, and here are the wheels. So. Um, top left is uh, a graphic of uh, the procession stolen from uh, Randall Carlson's oh, stuff. Love him. You gotta love Randall. A lot yeah. of this stuff later on will touch on, on Randall Carlson's work. I've not done all this myself. I did I noticed it I noticed the thing, all the things I've noticed myself and then gone to look, see if anybody else has, has found these things. Did you watch his, uh, have you ever seen his, his series on sacred geometry that you could download? I must have done. Fuck. Well, I'll lend it you if you haven't got it. Thanks. It's brilliant. Just, uh, he's, uh, I want him to be my granddad. I know. <laughs> I think we, he we, is actually Father Christmas. We, we, we have mutual friends as well. Yeah. I mean, he's a really busy guy, and I'm not sure he'd ever, I don't know if he would do our mm. podcast, but we do have uh, mutual friends. He'd yeah, be one of my dream guests. Oh, mate, get him, let me come. Yeah, well, I definitely would, yeah. Yeah, yeah try, try and do that. Oh, yeah. I've got kind of got contacts with Graham Hancock, kind of. Mm. I've written articles for him and stuff, so I'm sure he'd do it Zoom or something like that. Yeah. I might put some feelers out. I, start, mm. I don't like asking. I'll ask. <laughs> Just do it. Just do it. That's what, with Graham Hancock, I got hold of him on Facebook. I said, oh, son, found all this stuff. Have a look. <laughs> he went, go on down, lad. <laughs> Ah, uh, that's just like Graham. Yeah, let's have a gander at that. I'm from, from Bolton. <laughs> Graham Hancock from Bolton. Graham Hancock with a D. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Randall Carlson often talks about uh, the procession, and the procession is essentially uh, the key and is the main theme of all the secrets of the Masons. Those two pillars, we've already said, is basically this juxtaposition between the axis of the Earth and the perceived axis of the rest of the galaxy around us. The, uh, uh, what it really is is the ecliptic. It's, it's the planets as they go around the sun, and that's seen as a plane, and the, the, the axis of the Earth is 20-odd degrees off from that plane. Mm. Just skew with. So... <coughs> Because of that angle, not because of it, but that angle actually wobbles as a top. When a top, the spinning top slows down, it starts wobbling around and doing that spinning thing where the top of it is actually spinning in all kinds of directions, but it's relatively stable. So too with the Earth. And because of that, there's possibly several of the reasons around it as well, including uh, it, we the Earth it. being a binary star. Do yes, we go into yeah, these yeah. things or no? They're very the interesting. Milankovitch cycles. We don't really know why. We've got ideas. We've got we, ideas. It's, it's so hard to... This is what blows my mind, is the fact that they, they were even aware of it. Because the idea is, is that if you, if you go to the same place at the same day, 
on a on a same place on a given day and look due east at sunrise. Um, there's there's a slight change in the stars uh, when they rise. That this is what is sort of the visible mm-hmm. how you how you would measure precession. Yeah, but it's the the. The uh, the change is so minute. I think one degree of precession is around seventy two years. Exactly seventy two years, and that's so it, one of the numbers that we'll have to look out for. One of the magic numbers. But one degree of precession would be about the width of your thumb, thumb yeah. or the width of the moon. So you'd have to stand in the same place every year on the same day, looking due east for seventy two years to see a thumb's width difference in the the way the stars appear. Bonkers. But they knew this, and they encoded all this shit. And this is the long count, the processional cycle. The processional cycle. You see this wheel down, down in the bottom right. Yeah. It takes 25,900 years, stroke 26,000 years, to, to go through the whole thing. Yeah. We don't want to go into it too much, but because we'll, we'll get into it later yeah. on, the real meat of it. But essentially, what we're saying is there's a, a very long... you, you got a day, you got a month... A day's because of the sun, a month's because of the moon, a year's because of the orbit of the Earth around the sun. Mm. And then we've got these this other cycle, which takes 26,000 years. 26, years. And um, it's split up into 12. Each one of them is an age or an aeon. Remember that word from this god aeon? Each one's an aeon. And we're heading, we're heading into the age of Aquarius, just coming from the age of Pisces. And when you look into the the mythologies of most of the ancients, dependent on what star sign was coming up in the east just before the sun popped up in the morning, whatever that star sign was kind of dictated the flavor of the religion of the state at the time because they saw themselves as having to adapt and adjust as we do now, into the age of Aquarius. Yeah, so each processional month, if you like, lasts, lasts about 2,160 years. And the age of Pisces happened to start around the time of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then before that, we've got uh, age of Aries, would it be before that? It was, yes, the age of the ram. The ram, and the ram's very significant in uh, Judaic Significant everywhere. You get the, uh, from the Masons, high ram. Hiramavith. And then Brahman, uh, you know, Abram. You, you, Abram, you get all Abram. these Rams, you know, Ramses, uh, yeah. Gordon Ramsay. And it's in, <laughs> yeah, and it's in the iconography as well, like the, the artwork from that time. Oh, yeah. You know, the Pisces, Jesus the fish. Jesus the fish. So, all sorts of fisher once, of men. Once again, Phil, you've, uh, you've got the way before everybody else. We need to get some water carrying merch on the go. Get it, <laughs> get it yeah, on the ground this is, floor. This is where we're going. <laughs> so I think that about wraps that one up. Right now, let's get into this. These uh, uh, we're going to get into the numbers quickly, and then we're going to dip out of it because you know this can be a head masher. <laughs> so if you watched the previous podcast, the reason why I went to Rivington to look at these ancient stones with a satire square on them is this magical talisman by a magician called Eliphas Levy, who was a French fellow. And that's all that's important about him. (laughs) (laughs) So around that, we have these four directions, the four cherubs, uh, the lion, the bull, the eagle, and the man. 
And around that, we have yod Hey vav Hey, which is Hebrew for Yehovah, Yahuwah. So now what we're going to do is decode this. We're going to just decode the outside because the center is some, something else. We've already kind of looked into the Satar Square and seen it's this Satar swastika, time, pole star. You know, we're looking at the center, basically, and everything else moves around it. So first of all, let's de decode uh, the J-H-V-H in Hebrew. So if you look in Hebrew grammatria, J is worth 10, H is worth 5, the V is worth five, uh, six, and H is worth five. Just like Scrabble. Only you have to take drugs to be able to play this one. <laughs> well, it's true for Scrabble as well, come yeah. to think of it, yeah. And this isn't just sort of made-up numbers to suit the purpose. Hebrew is one of these languages where numbers had numerical mm -hmm. value as well as... Uh, Greek. Uh, numbers always have Phoenician. numerical value, Phil. Sorry, letters had numerical <laughs> I didn't even catch that one. No, I didn't. <laughs> right, so uh, basically JHVH is 10565, which is 26 in Hebrew gematria. We've said 26 recently for 26,000 years, mm -hmm. right? So then the thing, when the, pe when the pebble dropped, is that even a... <laughs> when a pebble dashed... The moment that made me pebble dash was when I realized that if you take those four zodiac signs, the bull is the second sign, the lion is the fifth, the eagle is the eighth, and the man is the eleventh. Well, that equals 26 as well. And I just knew that that's the 26,000 years of procession because those guys are pulling that circle round anti-clockwise. Uh, yeah. <gasps> of course they are. They're going the wrong way around. Yep. Why are they going that way around? Because they're, they're because telling you something. Yep. Nothing's by accident. Mm -hmm. When you say, did you say the bull was the second sign? What, what, how is it? Why is it the second sign? Why would Pisces not be the second sign? Because or? it goes Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer. Is that just a convention? Or? It's the year. So, so the springtime, the year, you know, plowing season, the bull. Uh, your kids are usually born around <coughs> Gemini, excuse me. Uh, cancer, midday, Leo, the heart of summer, the middle of the day, when the f fire, the sun roars. That's, that's Leo. Right. <laughs> you, you love me staggering around here. You're not driving, are you? No, no, I walked it for this very reason. Good. Uh, so that's Jehovah. That's Jehovah. So we've got these two 26s, and I, I know that... Uh, on that Jehovah, there are 24 dots, which is like 24 hours a day, okay? Times that by three, because on each one of those dots, there's three little marks on top of the dots. There's like three little flamey marks. So oh, yeah. I, I just times it by three and got 72. Oh, fuck. So I put the 24 <laughs> hours a day is 72 years in a processional day, and 26 plus 26 is 52 weeks in a year. Um, so like if you took 72 times 360, you get 25, 920, which is the true number of this processional year, but 26,000 years is enough. Uh, and at the bottom there, although I'm sure there are other things to decode about them, 
there's two lines of, of magical letters. Uh, one is the seven planets and one is the 12 zodiac signs. I'm sure there are other things about them that I've not quite got my head around. And they very much remind me of the weird letters that are on the pillars. Do you remember that crazy first pillar that we, mm. we looked at? It said like the wick and all kinds of other seed. So where do those where do those magical signs come from? Is that is that what Levi? Yeah, he made that. Well, he didn't make them up, but no, the the kind of from what's the guy called the the Agrippa Agrippa's book of Cornelius Cornelius Agrippa's book of occult stuff. Right. Schlock. Uh, and, yeah, he, he was the one that started doing all that stuff, okay. as far as I know. It's, right. it's basically, um, do you know, Grant Morrison, the comic book artist, he, he was ranting and raving about sigils, how you basically just speak the unconscious on, onto a piece of paper mm. and make a sigil and then burn it or destroy it or whatever and send it off into the universe. It's, this, it's a similar thing that, that just... With that said, though, this guy's uh, an actual magician, so... <laughs> but that's interesting, isn't it? Yes. That basically, once we've brought this thing down, we've got all this pole star magic number stuff. And I do mean these are magic numbers. We'll see as we get into Absolutely. the rest of it. I will point out quickly, just in case we don't later on, that we spoke about Baphomet and the sacred androgyne and all these other things. And that upward pointing triangle is masculine, the daytime Jupiter. The downwards pointing triangle is feminine, Saturn. And the two together obliterate each other in, in a cosmic explosion that nullifies itself and is the the pole star around which there is everything turns but itself is 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 a unmoving point. Cool. Back to the stones. Back to the stones. So similar thing that uh, we've got this wheel, we've got these weird peer and other strangeness. Uh, so let's let's move on to the next slide and just go through it quickly. We've already mentioned that actually, if you look at that, uh, maybe we've got a back one. That'd be a bit bigger. No, it's no bigger. Um. Around that wheel, as there were on previous uh, tarot cards of the Wheel of Fortune we looked after, it does say tarot. You see it has the, the letters. Um, five o'clock, nine o'clock, one o'clock, and 2.30. <laughs> the four letters that make tarot. Those add up to 54. Those are very important. Because twice 54 is 108, which is 10.80. Twice 1080 is 216, as in 2160. Twice 216 is 432, as in 432. <laughs> yeah, it goes on and on. Yeah. The so, sacred geometry. The, the, these, yeah, these hyper harmonic numbers that can be divided by. When you take most numbers, if you divide it by something like five or seven, you're going to get a point, whatever, you know, 6.17523125, so, you know. But with these numbers, when you're dividing it by whatever, most of the time, you're going to get a whole integer number. So if we look to the top left of the wheel, we've got this Tau Rho Ankh. And I've read that, if you read that as P and T, 
that equals 36. I'm using uh, what's called simple gematria or Latin gematria or English gematria, which is every number is equivalent to, sorry, every letter uh, is equivalent to a number started from 6. So A is 6, B is 12. So automatically we're going to get these kind of numbers out of it because it's base 6. It's the base 60 that the Sumerians were using, that these original guys were using to denote time. Right, rather than base 10 that we use now. Yeah. Well, it, well, it's kind of base 10 still. It's like base 10 stroke base 12. It's very strange. Mm. Um, the you know we we do we did it for a while. You count to ten, and it's eleven, twelve, and then thirteen. Suddenly, another number. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and basically, we were counting. It's like duodecimal. The the we're counting up to twelve in dozens and whatever, Bank because it's easily yeah. divisible. But the actual number system itself is in base ten. Right. Let's not bore yeah, these yeah. people anymore. That's as deep as you're going to get. Right. The rest of these are just quick patterns of numbers, and you'll see numbers like. 1080, 72, 36, 360. If the naught appears on the end, don't worry about it. So P and T equals 36. It's in 360 degrees. So I'm thinking circle. There's already a circle there. It's a circle. Under that PT, to the top left at um, like 10 o'clock on that wheel, is in pink, a little, very hard to see, 72. It just says 72. It's not even hiding it. It says 72. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, right. So 36 times 72 is 25,920, or 2592, the processional year. Yep. Uh, PT in Latin gematria is equal to 216, a processional month. Yep. Uh, in the bottom right, it says DCLXVI. It, well, it's complicated, so we'll get oh, into that right. later. This is the bit that's in the shade. Yeah, in the shade. Sorry, sorry, it's very difficult to take photos in this area. It really is, genuinely. You've got to get up very early to go and get it, and I'm not an early riser. I'm more of a midnight cowboy. <laughs> so uh, DCLXVI is 666. I'm actually starting to think it might be 660 now. And I'm not quite, that keeps coming up as well. It's almost the same thing, but basically six times six times six for all you Satan worshippers out there is equal to 216, which is a procession, 2160 being a processional month again. Tarot in simple gematria, which is around the wheel, it's around the wheel and the wheel of fortune on the actual tarot, and it's on my wheel, is equal to 54, which is basically two times 54, one away, two times one away, 216, 432, and up. Um, so what's special about this wheel apart from the fact that somebody special clearly spelled on it is that it's got 14 of these little nubbins around the outside that look like flames or flags or drivers for a golf club or just snake heads snake heads I was going to say little cobra heads and so I was like well it's the 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 sighting the three hundred and sixty degree circle. So, I divided it by fourteen, and you get fifty forty again fifty four fifty forty, which is called Plato's number, which is the reason why the ancients used base six base sixty to do everything with, because that number is so highly divisible, you can divide it by any number, as long as it's an integer. And you'll get another integer. It's like this 
ultra harmonic number can be divided by everything. It's just magic. Oh, you've got it. I'm just thinking about number nine, but it's... It's uh, number nine. Yeah, it's number nine. All these add up to number nine. We're coming, yeah. So 360 degrees divided by 14 rather than times 14, they get 25.71428571428571428574, and it just carries on. <laughs> Those numbers, anybody quickly... <laughs> In parentheses, for anyone that does vortex maths, Mark, whatever his face, Mark, Ru- not Rogan. Ruffalo? No, no, not the Hulk. Um, I forget that. Sorry, mate, I forgot your name. But the guy who does vortex maths, those are the numbers associated with vortex maths, taking out the three, six, and nine, which Tesla was uh, always fawning over. And that number there is one of the very few non-integer numbers that has a repeating sequence. In the decimal point, in the seven decimal one points. four two eight five seven one four two eight five seven one four. Yeah, we just carry on. something. <laughs> <laughs> but this is great. <laughs> and this, we're getting to something magic about all these numbers and how they relate to number nine, which I found out about a year ago. Yeah, reading a book, which didn't even reference it. It didn't even tell me this, but I noticed it when I was looking at the page, and it just. Creamed my brain and yeah. made me want it's to mad, cry. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like the universe going, yep, yeah. yes, mate. Something weird here. So uh, now we're getting something really cool. Uh, this is where my work goes into another chap's work very briefly, but we'll, we'll come back out again. Uh, the, the man's name is uh, Alan Green from Manchester, lives in LA, was the band manager for the Monkees, tour manager for the Monkees back in the day. Really nice chap, really knows a lot. Basically decoded all this in Shakespeare. Whoa. Alan Greenfield. Alan Green, his name is. Green. Green, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I'd synchronistically watched his video within a day or so of of looking at this pillar. And I'm trying to decode these letters on the outside. So you get the P, if you would read from the top left, P-Y-H-R-V. That's a strange, the next one, P-H-R-V. P-Y-H-R-V. Next to that is actually a VW symbol. I've not colored it in properly there, but when I looked at it closely, and this will come up later, it's actually exactly the same as a VW symbol. Like a... Volkswagen. Volkswagen, yeah. Like like a... a the, the It's like two Vs juxtaposed next to each other, but the, the right arm of the first V and the left arm of the second V are hyper-extended, so they cross... And oh, we'll, right, we'll yeah, see. Yeah. We'll see about that. Le- we'll see about you later, Mister VW. <laughs> we'll get to the bottom of you, bloody Nazis, who are obsessed <laughs> with all this stuff. Number nine. Number nine. So the universe conspires that all these kind of numbers, if you add them all up together, add up to the number nine. So if you add five and four for fifty forty, you get the number nine. If you add four, two, and three, you get nine. It's called digital routing. It's very useful. It allows you to see the patterns in numbers. And the big the big long count, twenty five thousand nine hundred and twenty. So you add you all go. add all those digits up and it will it will either add up to nine or it'll add up to a, yeah, 18, like a, a power of nine. Poly. So so eighteen, one eight nine. Is nine. Yeah. Yeah, or it'll add up to twenty seven. Two and seven. Yeah. Every time. Ace. Every time. And if you do that with a nine times table itself. Even a third. Nine, eighteen, twenty-seven, thirty-six, forty-five, fifty-four. Just Forever. keeps on returning oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. itself. Yeah. I was doing this on a calculator last Inst- week. Right. <laughs> right. Boobs. Any number you pick, <laughs> if you times it by nine, 
any number. Whole number. Yeah. Right. We'll go. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it comes up to 8 million thousand. Yeah. Add all those digits up, it will be a Eventually power, a device. Funnel down to nine. Yeah. So, and I've done this up to seven decimal places. Really? So, yep. Cool. Even decimal places. So, 459.37461 times nine. Wow. Add all the digits up, it'll, it'll, it'll always reduce to nine. Hours of fun. Mental, it's mental. Very cool. That is quite cool. Yes, no, it's very cool. That's really cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Sorry. So yeah, es- essentially, cool. what that suggests to me is that that is the null pole around which everything else spins because it just returns itself. There's nothing going on there. It nullifies itself by just giving you. There's just nine there, and it stays there. Yeah. Funnily enough, in Mark, whatever his name is, uh, Vortex Math Nine is the central pole on it around which it does that, and he's got that pattern from putting a digital route on the 10 times table. So if you, if you get, you know, 10 times table from school, uh, one to 10, if you digital route, although, so like if, you know, if it's a hundred, it's one plus zero, zero is still one. Yeah. You do that the whole way down. The number sequence that you get going up to the middle reverses and comes back out the other way. It's just nuts. <laughs> it's just nuts. <laughs> right. So forgetting that for a second, if we read, um, these these words basically I, w- I was just trying to work out if these letters were actually numbers and when i plugged them in um t y that that pt i just read as a t so t y h r is equal to 624 uh, 426 sorry and then v uh v w p k e e cuz th- that v w is a v then a v w so it's VVWPKEE is equal to uh, 624. So I've got 426 and 624. <laughs> and then it just went bling. And we'll see in a second where that leads to. Other than that, the center spoke is the seven planets, seven days, or the seven plow stars around the pole. I couldn't tell you which, probably the seven planets, but those seven planets are related to the seven stars that are in the plow that go around the pole star as well. All right. Okay. Oh, I'm moving on. So now this is from Robert Grant. I think his name's Peter Pickton or Plickton. I only heard his name in an audio podcast. However, I'll explain this to you really quickly. Uh, this is amazing. But basically, imagine you had a clock of 24 hours. And every time you get up to 24, you start it again. So above one would be 25. Then you go around in another loop. And then you keep doing that. And that is this cross. All the different colors on here denote that due to the juxtaposition of the numbers in that way, i.e. a clock, like it's been suggesting, that we get this Templar cross style thing, Maltese cross. All those numbers are basically prime numbers or they're special numbers and they all fall into a pattern. Suddenly, miraculously, everything's in a pattern. Uh, On one of the arms, so if you look at 12 o'clock, what would be... Point five o'clock, <laughs> the next column on, going clockwise. That's got a lot of the prime numbers in there. I, f- I forgot the color coding right now, and I can't see this screen well enough to be able to yeah. look at it myself. However, basically, the prime numbers go up there. And what does that say to you for cryptocurrency and things like that? That cryptocurrency is based on mining prime numbers. And I know where all the prime numbers are, they're in that column. 
all those numbers in blue are these hyperharmonic numbers and bass 12 and all these other things. And it, there's 426 sat in that left-hand column, and on the upper column is 624. Right. So... This this is, you know, I got onto this from the work of Alan Green and this is the work of uh, Robert Grant, I think, before him, Peter Plickton. So basically, 624 and 426, they're not random, insignificant numbers. No. Look, I can't guarantee that that is exactly what those numbers are. But the synchronicity of the universe, and this is pretty wild, isn't it, and very specific, and we've been dealing with crosses the whole time, and we got it from a cross, you know? We got it from a cross... Mm. So I actually asked him, like, I, I keep hearing you talk about these numbers. Like, you, you've come across them before, haven't you? I think, is it 624? 426 is Shakespeare's birthday. There, there's, there's, <laughs> there's a ruse that goes on. And Alan actually found a lot of this geometry and number stuff in Shakespeare. Not only did he find it there, and you'll love this, do you recognise that square on the left-hand side? Left-hand side. And I've put... Communicated on the 24th of June, as in 624, by angels. No, I don't recognise it. Right. So this is John D's table of angels that was communicated <laughs> to him in the 1500s by angels. Right? The 620... So you have to explain who John D is. John D was the court magician to Elizabeth I, <laughs> coined the word, the term British Empire, was essentially Merlin... All modern-day versions of magicians are based on John Dee. He was a cryptographer, an yep. alchemist, magician, the smartest man in Europe, the largest library in Europe, uh, the original 007. He signed all of his <laughs> yeah. he signed all of his that documents. Was his code name. Yeah, he signed all of his documents with two O's for eyes, and then a hand shielding at the end, covering the eyes for 007. Your eyes only. All that stuff. <laughs> wow, <laughs> shit. Yeah, he he was the man, basically expert navigator. Uh, amazing mathematician geometer and basically what he's done is gotten off his head and communicated with angels so-called the unconscious the universe the akasha whatever and derived or just lied and derived um or was deceiving himself because he was off his head derived this table of 624 characters right so we've already said 624426. Uh what I, th- I think it might have been um Mr. Green there derived that that circle that has been discovered is essentially a circular version of this table. It's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> right? So what does it do? Well, I've heard on many accounts, I've not checked it myself, but I trust the people that are on a, that are saying it, that basically that table creates a tesseract which is a five-dimensional cube viewed in four three-dimensional Five, space five-dimensional cube viewed in three-dimensional space there's a picture of it there as you, as you look around you can look at for a, a video of it on youtube but as you look around the cube that inside seems to come out and and folds back on itself it's, it's high-dimensional geometry that he's been making <laughs> that's mental isn't it like as far as you thought and weird as it was getting last time, <laughs> it's getting nuts, isn't it? It's getting worse because I can just see e- Enochian tables there. Yeah. <laughs> which just scares me. Well, Enoch went up and saw the heavens and saw God and the countenance of the lion, a bull, an eagle, and a man. All that stuff's Enoch. 
wasn't he one of the few people who, who apparently ascended as far as the, the Bible goes? Wasn't he? There's like Ezekiel and Enoch didn't want... Oh, one of them became Metatron. Hi, I'm the, the Metatron. Yeah. Alan, uh, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Yeah. Potter. <laughs> so, yeah, well, everyone familiar with this stuff will have heard of Metatron's cube, which is geometry based on the Vesica Pisces. So it all does wrap into itself. I'm not like, you know. Anyway, this is nuts. Yeah, it is nuts. It's just, you know, it's, it would just went two dimensions up well I suppose we're in the fourth if we're talking about time but we've just gone to the fifth fucking hell I read a book this year which absolutely bent my head when it comes to dimensions a new model of the universe by Uspensky I think it was alright yeah and the way he Uspensky PD yeah the way he describes how dimensions work and trying to explain what a fourth dimensional being or a fifth or a sixth dimensional being would work it's just, it's the best way I've heard it explained. And you just feel like a complete idiot when you're reading it. Because oh, yeah. it's so difficult. Well, can to... can you really get your head around it, though? Well, that, I think that's part of the argument, is that we wouldn't be able to see it. No. We, we wouldn't be able to see You'd it from see our plane. see the shadow of it, as it were. Yeah, or slice of it. The face of it. Yeah. yeah, well, that's what we're looking at there with this Tesseract cube. Absolutely. This, this is... You know, what what would happen with that cube is you'd turn it around 360 degrees and it would look different to how you started. You'd have to turn it 720 <laughs> degrees, 72 degrees, 720, yeah. in order for it to be, look the same. A lot of um, quarks and things like that do this. They have more, you know, it takes more than one spin yeah. for it to look the same as you turn it around. And thus we know they are Spooky high dimensional. Action. Yeah. yeah. Spooky action at a distance, a bit, a bit of Einstein quoted there. <laughs> Wow. It's mad, eh, mate? Yeah, it is mad. Right, so let's not let's not delve too long in it. I think this is the last one of a bit of maths, and then we, we get into a bit of psychology. So, um, snooker, snooker. We so it feels like we've got. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like we've got a bit ahead of ourselves, really. You know, we're talking all this highfalutin mathematics stuff, and it's provable by itself. You know, I could, it is just all those things that we said about the numbers is just true. It's true. Those numbers are real. And it wouldn't matter if we're deceiving ourselves about this poll star stuff. That that set of numbers is real and does do those things. It's like Randall Carlson says, these are numbers, they don't lie. They can't. In fact, these numbers tell the truth so much, they explain themselves and, and pro, like announce the fact that the brothers and sisters are just ahead of them. You know, so harmonic, are they? So from that, um, we can say, why are we getting so highfalutin, you know, on these pillars? Well, there is a Pythagorean tetractus inverted. There's a few balls missing, but it would be 10 by 10. Oh, shit. Sorry, 10, 10, 10 spheres, right? And Pythagoras used this as his main teaching implement. Pythagoras was uh, a, an ancient Greek who went round to Babylon and Egypt and all the other mystery tradition places and then came back and set up his own little culty thing that basically spawned philosophies and so religions. First and, academy, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and, and music. Sure, yeah, and the music, music of the spheres is uh, famous and, for And Py Pythagoras' actual music was 
uh, tuned to 432 hertz, Pythagorean tuning. And if we look at these, imagine the balls on the left, the snooker balls on the left. We're going to flip them round as they should be uh, into a pyramid shape. And we're going to look at them on via the image on the right. If you take a string, we're talking harmonics now. If you take a string and pluck it, it'll go, let's pretend it hits a C. C, hold it in the center and it'll be a, an octave up. C. Yes. Pinch it into thirds, it'll be a fourth up from that. And then pinch it into four, it'll be a fifth up from that. And basically what you're doing is you've got your first note and then four notes up from that is your fifth. And anybody that likes music out there, most modern music, most cool music is fourths and fifths. And those are all ratios. And those ratios are explained by the sequence of those balls. They are also an analogy for uh, what we now know as Kabbalah, the tree of life. Uh, 10 spheres. If you work from the top going down to four, you've got the monad, the one thing, then you've got duality, then you've got the holy trinity, then you've got the quaternity of the four elements. And this is like an explanation of metaphysics for the ancients. If we look to the bottom left of that diagram, we've got the name of God from Hebrew again, yod heh vav heh, put out. So you basically read it in a lot like the Satar Square. You can Wait, read, so read I'm, it. I'm missing that there. So if you go to the right-hand image, yeah, bottom there's like a triangle to the bottom left of that. Yeah. Can you see it? I can't. I'm looking Think, for the yod hey vow hey. Yeah, there's yod hey vow hey. There's letters. All those Hebrew letters there. Can you see them? Right. Good, yeah. It's like a pyramid. There's a triangle. Oh, right. Are we reading backwards? Yeah, it's Hebrew. Oh, fuck. Oh, right. I'm sorry. It's Hebrew. Sorry, wait, 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 wait. Hebrews, you read Hebrew backwards. Yeah. You read Hebrew backwards. Fuck. I've got it now, yeah, because I was yeah. looking for the hey. <laughs> and then, <laughs> oh, hang on, it's hey, yod, hey, vow. What? <laughs> Oi, yod. Right. Yeah, good, yeah. yeah. Top top tip, always read your Hebrew backwards, backwards. Sorry, otherwise you won't sorry. make any sense. <laughs> you forget sometimes, though, don't you, that, you know, all these little nuances and that you forget that not everybody knows all this stuff. Well, it's just so much, isn't there? So let's just do this quick so we can get off these bloody numbers. Mm. Uh, if, As we said before, yod hey vav hey is equal to 10, 5, 6, and 5. Stick those in that triangle, you get 72 out the end. And actually, if you times those numbers by something like 40, you start to get the weeks, the days, the months, and other stuff. There's lots encoded in that yod hey vav hey. Right. So it's very clever. It's very clever. So uh, I think that adds some very similitude to the fact that we're dealing with these crazy number systems and, and all these things. Because quite frankly, uh, on the Wheel of Fortune, that's so messy. You know, apart from the 14 things around the outside, I, I'm kind of clutching at straws, really. However, you know, those things are there. It's just, am I reading it right? I might be deceiving myself, but it doesn't matter because I get the same thing at the end of it anyway. That that there's these crazy number things, and you know, I've I've got the I've got the wisdom at the end of it anyway. So, mm. who gives a shit? Yeah. It, would anybody like to take a minute or anything before? Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. I think that can would... do. Should we? Uh, do you want to pause? Because I could do with the. I wouldn't mind a yeah a leak. I'm out of a leak. I'm, I'm, I'm out of a leak. I'll wait till after you've gone there. <laughs> <laughs> take it in turns. Well, we'll we'll have a we'll have a brief uh, respite for five minutes. Can Matthew beatbox? No, you can have a go. (laughs) (laughs) 
of entertainment. Have you not got, we'll go have you not got any um, small tubs of ice cream? Good <laughs> <laughs> little plastic or Some paper. Tell uh, <laughs> so you what, I went to the uh, circus at Blackpool. Yeah, at half term. It's brilliant. How could you tell the difference from the local populace? <laughs> <laughs> they were good at juggling. <laughs> Right, I'm going to kill... I thought there was going to be something after that. You went to the circus <laughs> at Blackpool. Oh, they did oh, no, the ice cream. <laughs> there was no, like, sacred geometry going on or anything. No, But the juggler was good. He juggled ten balls. Ten balls? That's the same number as the number of snooker balls that should have been on the <gasps> pillar. <laughs> yeah. One, two, three, four. Four, yeah. Right, let's pause. I'm going to kill the mics. <laughs> Stay on the line. We'll be back in a minute. Okay. Still there, Matthew? Oh, I've not got you turned up. You still there? Yeah, I just muted myself because I'm just eating some fake moams. <laughs> Sugar. Right then, we're back after a brief respite. Mm-hmm. Gonna give it. Was saying Matt, we're gonna give it another half an hour or so. Gonna give it we'll... the beans for the last half hour. <laughs> give it, give it the beans for half an hour, and then we'll do part two quick. Do the. Uh, the news. Okay. There's, there's some funny stuff that, that can't be ignored. <laughs> <laughs> so then, Ryan. Yes. Where right. are we? So, let me go back an image. So, we just basically come off the pillars and said, uh, we'd, we'd validated the reasons for suspecting that there's all these maths up there. And then we said, it doesn't bloody matter anyway because we've got the results and whatever course we've gone down, we've solved these mysteries. Now, we've said several times that these pillars have the veneer of Christianity. Now, it's slightly unfair because when you track Christianity back, there was no veneer. And a lot of these mysteries were on the surface because at the time they were a cult. And you'd imagine that all the people in the know would have known. And so this is now a page of Christian iconography from the very beginning of Christianity. Top left, we've got a swastika, one of the oldest Aryan stroke Indo, proto-Indo-European symbols that we have. And we've determined that it's basically denoting time and, and looking at the plough going around the pole star. Next to that, we have what we could call a Wheel of Fortune or a clock or whatever you want, a PX, a, ty- a Cairo. And then a slightly more complicated Cairo with an Alpha and Omega and a P at the top. And then uh, a Tal roll, which looks like an Ankh. Yeah. Exactly that. And you've got to think that basically we're in we're in Greece right now. This is where Christianity, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it, it was... Supposed to be in Aramaic, but basically the first Christian texts are written in Greek. Yeah, Septuagint. Yes, so it's around the the area of the Mediterranean, the Levant, uh, you know, Upper Africa, Egypt, and the west of the east, as it were, near Jordan and Israel and all these places. So this is where it's come from, uh, this, this Mediterranean world, this... Quite warm, quite nice, you know. The the sea's easy, easily navigable. You can go to Sicily for your holidays mm. if you want to. Bit of Benidorm. <laughs> uh, so, you know, just going along the top row, we've got 
what's called a Crux Gamata in the swastika. Then we've got a Cairo. And then we've got another Cairo. And then we've got a towel roll. And then we've got an anchor. <laughs> Ank anchor. 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 Of course. Right? So then next up, we've got an anchor with two fish for Jesus. Right? And then the middle on the left, we have an upright fish with one eye, you know, in profile, basically. Next to that, we've got a weird anchor looking very similar to the fish, really. The, the bottom of the anchor's upturned, just like the fin of the fish is upturned. And then next to that, we've got another Kai roll. <laughs> So what I'm getting at here is the similarity of all these images. Essentially, they're all variations on the same theme. And we know that theme so far has been the poles and the pole star. So the bottom left, we've got an anchor and two fish. And then the large image that I think brings it all together, we've got swastikas, a big anchor, two fish, and then a bloke being swallowed by a fish, <laughs> getting head from a fish. <laughs> so, oh, his head's been swallowed by a fish. Uh, a head's a very old shamanic, uh, sorry, a head being missing is a very old shamanic uh, metaphor oh. for being off your head. Often you'll see guys with no head. St. John the Baptist had his head cut off. Of course it is. Lots of this stuff. Yeah. Well, actually, where we're going now is somewhere we've already been previously in the previous episode, and that is in the depths of Saturn. So we've got the swastika soul with Saturn pole star. We've got this anchor, which is clearly, you know, this pole and the pole star and this human body thing that we've got going on. You can quite imagine that anchor looks like a pair of hips and the top of the head and the arms, if you get me. Yeah. Right. Hips, spine, shoulders, head. You dig? Yeah. Right, so... I'll tell you now exactly what's going on. This is astrotheological. We know we're in the stars somewhere. Those two fish are Pisces. We're in the age of Pisces, Jesus. And that fish is Cetus, also known as Leviathan, also known as the whale that ate Jonah. That's Jonah being eaten. Um, and when they asked Jesus for a sign, or they were asking for a sign of Jesus, they said, uh, the only sign I shall give you is of Jonah and the whale. So, we'll advance from there. Oh, my word. <coughs> this is very artistic. It is. Right, so... Um, so, we discussed in the previous episode that the nighttime is Saturnian, the daytime Jupiterian. The winter Saturnian, the summer Jupiterian. So, we're in the quadrant of the zodiac that is during winter. Capricorn is, is December... Then to the left of Capricorn, who is the goat there, we can see the water bearer, Aquarius. Yep. And then top left of Aquarius is Pisces, the two fish there. Mm. And then bottom left of that is the big sea monster, who is Cetus, or the Leviathan in the Bible, who swallows Jonah. And then under Aquarius, who's burying the water there, there's an upside down fish on, uh, on his back uh, with his belly out. Yeah. So I'll, I'll quickly describe these guys. So we've got uh, Capricorn, end of the year, sacrificial goat. The goat dies and half of the goat is in the water. Well, we're in the waters here. We're in winter. Summer will be fire. 
Winter is the water. We're in the waters. And you can see all the creatures around here are watery animals. So we've got Capricorn. Aquarius bears the water, and he actually bears... He's a horse. He's a horse. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's the homosexual of the Zodiac. He, he's this gay man. He's taken up by Jupiter and made to his cup bearer with all, all the connotations around that. <laughs> That cup is the vessel of water that he has that carries ambrosia, the nectar of the gods. You can quite imagine what that might, that might entail. Mm. And he pours out these waters, these fertile waters, uh, that are also the flood waters, the cleansing waters, because this guy's Noah, we'll find out later on. And uh, those flood waters are drank by the fish on its back. That fish is the same fish that ate Osiris's penis and contains... That guy. That one again, <laughs> nibbling away. He contains the resurrection power of Osiris. He's eating his penis. That's the resurrection power. He's, he's drank the, 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 the stuff of the gods. That's the resurrection stuff. Jupiter's reigns, if that's to do with Jupiter, Jupiter reigns down. And that's the, you know, as the ancients saw it, sperm fertilizing the seed the, the you know it, it's this sexual power of of rebirthing the year and as we saw in a previous slide in a previous episode uh often janus the the god of january who sees the end of the year out and the new year in is has the back of his head as capricorn the old year mm. and aquarius is the new year and then right. the floods come in to cleanse the year this is the star card in tarot that that's cleaning itself with with the waters because once once you've died, the old you needs to be washed away. Mm. Pisces. Uh, Ooh, that sounded a bit like baptism then. A lot like right. baptism. Him being Oanis or Ioannis or, or John. John, who holds the cup with the serpents in it. Absolutely. So above him... John the... Baptist. Revelator. The Baptist. The Baptist. The Baptist of the Waters. Uh, yeah, so we have Pisces there, who is uh, essentially two parts of the soul, right? So there's this, a, a part of the soul that looks to connect back up, is swimming towards the pole star, so back up to God. Yeah. And I can see you got a question, but if you wait. No, 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 no. Uh, and the one on the right is kind of going off in his own direction. The one on the left is called Aphros, as in Aphrodite, uh, was said to have carried Aphrodite. Aphrodite is the goddess of love, but carried her to the surface of the waters, the foam of the sea, where she became Aphrodite Urania. You might as well say Aphrodite Aeon, i.e. Aphrodite being the goddess of love, a love born of the universe. We'll get into this later. You can see that as Jesus. Jesus has a love born of the universe. He understands the whole thing. He loves the universe for what it is. The other fish, the other part of the human soul, is swimming off in its own direction, just doing its own thing. That would be Lucifer, doing its Luciferian thing. I've got the light. I can do what the hell I want to. I'm just going to do my own thing. These are the two parts of the human soul. The one that connects back to God, the Jesus one, is the archetypal soul that belongs to the universe. That everything that you do is essentially archetypal. If I pick something up, you know, that, for example, water, the archetype of water, 
in tarot is the archetype of the cup because it holds a volume. Water whole is a volume of stuff. It's the emotions. It's you know the emotions are, are your volume of you know what what the actual flavor of you is right now is interested. That's your emotion. This is the cup which holds you. Do you get? Do you, do you see where I'm going with it? So that's an archetype, and all these archetypes rule you. There's nothing that you ha you've ever done. You know, you have a child. Well, father's an archetype. Mm. Everything and and the womb was a cup. The child is a cup for your genetics and your wisdom. You know, all these things are archetypal, and so a part of you is totally eternal and dependent on the universe. Whereas another part of you that can say, fuck it, <laughs> is your own soul and is going your own way and isn't necessarily, if you chose to, you could starve yourself even though the universe bids you to eat. Yep. At this, I'm just, I'm struck by a Solzhenitsyn, the famous Solzhenitsyn quote regarding this about we have the, we have the fish going up, which is the part of the soul that wants to go to the to unity or mm -hmm. God or whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it. And then we've got the skewiff fish, which you equated <laughs> to Lucifer. Yeah. And it just reminds me of the Solzhenitsyn quote, the line between good and evil runs through the centre of every man's heart. Yes. Lovely. This is what we're witnessing in pictorial, symbolic form. That's cool. I just love that. I've heard that before. So now... Turning to the dark, that we might have said Lucifer, but Luciferianism really is just doing your own thing, essentially, and fuck everything else. Cetus, though, that would be the dark side of you, basically. You know, I love my wife and kids, but I'm going to go and do what I want to with this woman anyway. Yeah. Or whatever. Cetus, though, is the dark side of God is the dark side of the universe, is the shadow self of the universe. And he swallows you up, even if you're sorry, even if you don't want anything to do with it, your father's died, your house collapsed, right. you just lost your leg, and it swallows you up. That's Jonah in the belly of the whale. And once he comes out of the belly of the whale, he's a prophet of God because he, he's... he's assimilated the dark side of God as, as uh, John Peterson often talks about with, with Jung, that Aeon, the book Aeon was, was much of it was about, okay, the Nazis were real, but that's in you. And don't think it isn't in you. You, you would do those things. Look, look at what's been going on in society recently and how easily everybody's led and how easily everybody makes decisions for other people. You know, my morals will overlap onto your morals because my morals are superior. I have the backing of other people. That is so very dark. I'm so upset about it. However, that is the dark side of God. That's somebody else's consciousness, i.e. my unconscious. And that, as with a storm that wrecks my house, is the dark side of God. And once you can be swallowed by it and integrate yourself with it and become a, a wounded healer, that is the, there's your ticket. 
And that's why if Jesus was to give any sign, it would be the sign of the Leviathan because Jesus essentially, as with those two Jesus fish, the two fish of Pisces, reunite you with the archetype of the androgynous infinity, which is the neutral null state of God. It's all opposites annihilating each other into a kind of love thing. But that that would be for another episode. Equilibrium. 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 Conscious and unconscious are the same. So we go back to the pillars. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Jesus with a with with the. Is that Jesus? The, I know it doesn't look like him, does it? Well, don't forget I've coloured these. Put a bit of weight <laughs> on. Yeah, chubby Jesus. It's a unit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's Jesus? Jesus the one is the guy the... on the right. Yeah. Right, I thought that was Saturn. No, well, it's the same character, really, because he's another time dude. Jesus is the teachings of Saturn. So he's got the T, the towel cross there, a really big one, kind of, he's got it running up his spine, so we've got this spine thing again in time. We'll get into the spine thing and why that's related to time later. But obviously, the heavens wheel around the pole. Yeah. And you are the pole, and the heaven, the universe reels around you. Every, every man is the center of the universe. Some some women. No, I didn't mean it like that. Uh, so um, what we've got here is a fish, a fleur de lis. Yep. Uh, Peter talking to Jesus. This is at the point in the Bible where Jesus, having started off as the Lamb of God, is now the fisher of men. And it's at the end. And the beginning is Aries, the ram. And at the end is Pisces, the fisher. Of men, Jesus has died at this point and come back, and he rocks up to the Sea of Galilee or wherever his local shore is, and sees his mates in a boat. Oh, what you up to? Yeah. I know. You don't recognise him, do they? No, whoever you are, we're trying to catch some fish. We, do you mind? <laughs> Listen, have you caught anything? No. Who are you? Right, cast your nets to the right, the right, and you'll catch some fish. Who the fuck's this prick over here? Just fucking throw it out. He's watching. He's, he's big. He's a unit. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they throw out this net, and you can see the net behind Jesus there in blue. And they catch 153 fish. Fucking hell, mate. Who are you? G- Peter gets out. Oh, bloody hell, it's Jesus. All right, Jesus, he says on his knees. <laughs> and uh, Jesus is he's like, flipping out, Jesus. That's amazing. You're back from the dead. And Jesus is like, yeah, yes, my son, and all, all this Jesus stuff. But So that's the story and something to keep in mind. Basically, he chucked, they cast the net to the right and caught the fish. So you'll notice that Peter there on his knees has got a fleur de lis going out of him, which is kind of a symbol of the tree of life. I'm going to say that those two hooks are like the ecliptic of the planets. There's lots going on here. But basically, it's the Holy Trinity. It's lots of things condensed into one symbol. It's a very dodgy-looking fleur de as well. It, it looks mushroomoid, let's say. Oof. Caught to the right hook, if, it, if I was Peter, that hook's on my right, 
as in Cassinets to the right, he's caught a fish. Ah, yes. Yeah. He's caught a fish. And look, we've got a swastika off to the right as well with a three-legged swastika just to show you that we're still dealing with all this pole star yeah, the stuff. One, the one-legged Saturn going round and round and round. And, and Saturn's one leg is, is depicted by the angle of Jesus' staff once again at 23.5 <laughs> degrees. Of course it is. Peter's also doing the sign of esoterica with his right hand, which is basically as above, so below, as within, so without. So you have three, you have your thumb, your index finger and your middle finger. You, you hide two digits. Yeah. So you've got three three fingers out in the open, but two are hidden, therefore occult. <laughs> or just, yeah, just finger guns, yeah, whatever. Finger guns. Well, <laughs> so... Peter's at the root of these three leaves. Mm. Okay. And he's got two fingers out. We'll get back to that later. But we've got this fish, one of these fish, these Jesus fish. Peter's caught a fish. Yes. Let's get into the fish. Oh, my word. Look at her. That's melting. Or him. So on the left, we have, uh, what's his name? Proteus, I think his name is. Let me have a slightly closer look. Proteus Oceani. So Proteus and Melusine, who's up there on the right, are these kind of fish god people. You can see Proteus there. He's not in his fishy form, but normally he's he's got these fishy legs. He looks exactly the same as Melusine up there on the top right. And we've got a tree with a serpent there in the background and a sphinxy thing behind him and some serpent dragons. And he's got a fire in a vessel. You know, these repeating themes. So what Proteus was, was um, it, it slips my mind right now, but he, somebody was, was told that if they wanted to go back home or wanted to achieve a task, they needed to go and find Proteus and they needed to grab hold of him until he told them the truth. So whoever it was has gone out, grabbed hold of Proteus, and Proteus is a shapeshifter, and he's changed forms. This guys grab hold of him until he, you know, he switched into a lion, a bull, an eagle, a man, whatever, and then he's 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 gets hold of him, and and then he's told him the truth. So bear that in mind as we talk about Melusine now. Melusine is supposedly the demon at, at the root of the Merovingians. Oh, and ma- many of the European uh, kings cite her as the ancestor. Right, right. Now note that she's basically a, a naked lady of the sea, and she's got two serpentine tails in her hand, and she's split to where you would hope that a mermaid was split. So we've got this mother fertility. These two sweeping arcs from under her belly, kind of getting towards the hip area. Well, you know, it keeps directing us in. When the male gods, we've had the phallus, and the female, we're getting this hip area. So the story of Melusine is very similar to Proteus. Melusine, obviously, is a sea dragony person. And she meets a fella. And he's a king of somewhere or a prince of somewhere. And he marries her, and, and it. She's some kind of a queenly figure, so it gives authority to his throne. As with the Merovingians, who were a French dynasty, much linked with all this stuff, and in the Matrix. And so the story was that she told him when they got married, listen, don't ever come and see me on a Saturday. 
Saturn day, the seventh day. <laughs> Don't ever come and see me on a Saturday. Else we won't be married anymore and I'll, I'll disappear. So every Saturday, he's a good fella. Years down the line. He's just you get him over and more. I need to come on. And then what, what on earth is she doing on Saturday? Exactly. She can't all, be all mending day. her bike every week. All day, lying. all day in the bath, in the water, in the bath, in the cup. And one day he gets the opportunity and he looks through the keyhole, and she sees his beady little eye looking <sighs> through. Instantly, a bottom end turns. She turns into a true self, which is dragon serpentine form. Flies out the window, never seen again. There are other stories around it, you know. There's, there's the uh, as as with most things, there's the the, the extended cannon. <laughs> yeah, but, the da- the David uh, David spying from the rooftop on. Uh... Oh my God, who's he spying on? Biblical David. David. Yes, I really don't know. Oh gosh, I'm uh, I'm blanking. But the, yeah, there's a there's Old Testament story of David who goes on the rooftop and he's spying uh, the the woman in the fountain. In the fountain. Oh, there you go. Yes, yeah. it's, it's the same. Okay, right. I'll look that up when I get home. Thank you very much for that. That's... And it's that's there's an astral theological element to that that David story, which maybe applies to this. Yeah, there probably is. Yeah. I'm, cool. I, I, I'm I'm thinking those two curls under her hips are the ecliptic and part of this secret that we'll get into later on. What's going on with that fella's shoes? It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Yeezys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I can see it now. <laughs> they don't look kind of mental. <laughs> so what is this? What is it we're talking about? Right? You've been asleep. So, so we said Saturn is the god of the unconscious. You've been asleep. Saturn, Saturday, Saturday, the end of the, the, the true end of the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's the unconscious. It's you waking up after a dream and trying to trying to remember that dream. And the second you look at it, it disappears. It changes form. It's something else. Schrodinger's cat. Very much like Schrodinger's cat, but in your own psyche. Is it or isn't it? It might be. It's like Schrodinger's cat if it was also an apple, a fire engine. <laughs> you know what I mean? And 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 the, the second you look at it, it's gone. The guy yeah. with Proteus. He managed to keep a hold of it, and then Proteus told him the future, where to go, whatever it was, you know, the thing he needed to know, he found out. So we're dealing with the subconscious here. Okay? Yeah. Let's move on. So this is, again, uh, we've already kind of discussed this, but there's uh, Typhon to the Greeks, Cetus, this unconscious dark side of God. The big whale fellow there. Yeah. Then we've got these two fish of Pisces, who are Aphrodite Urania, Aphros, which means sea form, which will come up again later. Things born of the form of the sea. Uh, Dionysus misses uh, Ariadne. She was form of the sea. Right. Uh, the o- Oanis comes from the form of the sea. Right. Uh, then we've got Eros here, which means uh, also called Bythos, which is the depths. It's all very complex. We don't need to go into it too much because we're going, we're going to decode this a little further on. But basically, the, the, the positive and negative sides of the human soul, none, none worse than the other, really. But you'd imagine that you want to unite with the universe rather than go and do your own thing and, and be your own universe. 
because you are the universe, basically. The, 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 a lot of morals come out of all this. But basically, all this stuff is the unconscious, is the formlessness of, of the depths. Pisces itself is to do with mysticism and going into the depths and pulling out these fish, fish, the cat. The, it's these formless unconscious forms that are difficult to catch in the depths of your own water itself, you know, dreams, uh, intuitions, mm. things caught in trips, you know, uh, you, it's, it's your mum knowing when you're in trouble when you were six years old mm. and, and she came out looking for you because she just knew it's, it's that intuition yeah. instinct, unconscious, unconscious. It's yeah. all unconscious. None more so than the positive fish of of uh, those two Pisces fish, representing the these the collective unconscious of young these archetypes these things that would exist quite independently of you, and in fact do you, the universe does you when when you look at it deeply. There's nothing you've invented yourself. The universe is doing you through these archetypes, and then we've got Piscis Notius as in. The famous fish, as in Notorious, uh, also called Piscis Australis, as in the southern fish, because he's just below the ecliptic band, which would be the the hemisphere, the waistline of of the the galaxy of the, the heavens. Yeah, the heavens. Yeah. And he's the one again. Look, he's on his back. Uh, I've got to say, there's something to that. That he's, you know, he's drinking these the the waters of Aquarius, and. He's got the, you know, it's ambrosia. It, it's this potion of the gods, this life force of the gods. You could say the the fertilizing waters of the gods. And he's on his back. He's kind of drunk from it. Is drunk. he only on his back because he's in the southern hemisphere? I thought that too, but nothing else is really that in, inverted oh, no, like no, that. Okay. So a few things are, but not really. But uh, yes, well, well thought. I thought the same thing. So let's go to the next one. Right, now... This is between fish and serpents. And what we're going to get at is that fish and serpents are essentially the same thing. Oh. Because whereas we said fish come from the depths and swim up and you've got to keep a hold of it, <laughs> like these unconscious impulses that you've got to catch, memes, let's call them, mm. unconscious memes. Mm-hmm. Uh, serpents, the same, but a bit more external, a bit more external. Whereas the fish are going to come up inside, the snake's more likely to come from the outside. So a fish is a dual creature. It looks like a willy, but it's not mine. I was going to say. Well, they call it a a trouser snake, don't they? Mine's more like an egg. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Trouser snake. So, yes. So, it's saying sorry and then, like, I've been saying trouser snake. (laughs) So, what this serpent is, is unconscious things. A Pisces is, like, internal. Yeah. Cetus was external. Right. Fish is internal. The snake is a bit more external. It's also internal, but it's external. It looks like a a phallus, but is formless in this watery, feminine way. Uh, When a snake opens its mouth to to bite you, it looks like a vagina inside, but it's a phallic. It's this dual creature. It's poisonous. But as the ancients knew, you mix the poison with its blood and you get a medicine. Hence, next to that snake's head there, we get the the RX symbol and the snake in the cup for pharmacies. (laughs) 
Yeah. Right? That Rx is Px. And we can prove that by the fish that's above that Rx, the, the metal fish, has Px on its side. And that's a lamp with this internal juices that, that is fiery. As you can say, this, this the medicine is, is a fiery thing. It's got activity in it. So those three fish, sorry, all four of those fish are related to Osiris. They're the ones that ate his, his penis, and all of them are spiky. The top left is a Nile perch, spiky fish. You know, it's a fish that swims up, but it might hurt you. The snake comes out, it might hurt you, but if you can catch it, you can derive medicine from that snake. Sure. It's these unconscious things. It's the universe doing horrible shit to you, or maybe exciting th- shit to you, but you've got to seize hold of that and make the best of it. Your house blew up. I'm really sorry. But now you get to build a new house and put all the things you've learned from building that old house and all the things between, and you get to make a new house and it's better. You know, it's this idea of taking the crap in your life, turning lead into gold. <laughs> and this <laughs> is why yeah. the serpent is Saturn. He's the greater Saturn. Cetus, the serpent, is this greater Saturn idea. He is, the, he is the, the great serpent, the great dragon. When life gives you lemons. Exactly that. Make lemonade. Mm-hmm. The universe is always going to be, there's always... Yin and yang, yeah. order and chaos. Exactly that. Chaotic things are going to happen. The only thing you have control of is how you react to them. Exactly that. That serpent is chaos. The unconscious outside, because chaos is unconscious. You don't know its order. No. And then you make order from it, uh, Marduk, for Tiamat, the dragon of time yes. and the maternal dragon, cuts it up and makes things from it. And this is exactly the same thing. Again, Jordan Peterson talks about the Babylonian myth and Tiamat and... Does he? Order and chaos, yeah. I, I do like Jordan, you know. Yes. He gets a bad rep with a lot of people, but those people clearly just haven't listened to anything at all. Anything. They've, they've not read or listened to him. That's the problem. Yeah. It's, it's political. It is political. We need to stay away from politics. Yes, we do. It's polarising. Is it? Yes. That, that serpent is polarity. He's good and bad. He's... The washing up's on the side. I can't be bothered doing the washing up. <laughs> I'll, the longer I leave it, the worse it's going to get. If I do the washing up, something good comes out of it. Just clean your room. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is this holds the resurrection power. Just this fish ate Cyrus's willy, and that contains his resurrection power for the year. When it gets stuck back onto his body, actually another one gets made out of gold, hint, hint, cool. and stuck onto his body, and then he gets resurrected. Yeah. But um, we're dealing with these fiery uh, fiery I mean by active these fiery fish the fish on the top right there is a momirous fish which because it lives in very murky waters sends out an electrical signal and basically has an auric field around it that it can sense things with and when you grab hold of it you can feel a tingling buzz from it it looks like a fucking leaf (laughs) it's a weird looking thing isn't it but you can wow. see, if you look underneath that, is another momorous fish, a Christian momorous fish, with a PX on it. So it's just showing that RX, PX, it's basically drugs, and this pulsar stuff are all connected. Yeah. Uh, we've got Saturn that stood on a pillar with a wheel, holding a, a, a bag of fruits. And a dress. And a dress. These bag of fruits will be the same as the medicine, you know, whatever you've managed to reap from that hard year. His legs growing back as well. It must be good fruit, that. <laughs> 
He's doing well, isn't he? <laughs> He's waiting for his hair next. <laughs> so that bag of stuff, which is his year done well, he's the because time is that serpent, you know, the, this measuring serpent, and because from time, oh, we'll, we'll go into it later, but uh, basically that bag of stuff that he's got from having a good year is the same as dealing with that serpent. He's the same as in the top, right? We've got a dragon with its gold. You deal with the dragon, the unconscious bullshit that you got to deal with that you don't understand and scared of, then he can reap the gold. Um, a, a serpent is shared. Fear of serpents is shared by everybody. If you're a cat, you've seen cats with cucumbers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they just freak out because they think it's a snake. Mm. So it's this ancient thing, and a serpent in a tree is the same as a serpent coming out of a hole. It's the same as a fish coming from the depths. It's these unexpected, unconscious. It's the unconscious of the universe coming up and going. Ah, I might bite you. Oh, foot, catch it, milk it, medicine. <laughs> yeah. So now we have these. If we look at the caduceus, these are the same thing because you can see they determinate <coughs> that caduceus there terminates in a cup, and that cup is this same basket idea, the medicine in the cup. It, it's what you derive from dealing with the bad things that come up in life. And then, so too, we have um, Buddha under or whoever it is under seven serpents, and those serpents are the chakra. Seven chakras. Because those are f seven unconscious things that control you, if you get me. They're nothing to do with I didn't choose these things, but they control me. Just like the seven planets control me. The seven planets are seven serpents. The seven virtues are seven vices. If you can control these seven things, and if you can transmute them in a nice alchemical fashion, you can have what would bite you become medicine and protect you. So I'm not. If you weren't very good at speaking, for example, you could let that chakra relax, work on it, do whatever, work on that planet, work on this concept, this idea, this this strata of metaphysics, and then when you released it, you can then be good at public speaking or wherever it'll be. Just basic communication, you know, let, letting your soul out and talking to people. Whereas the 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 serpent, we get the cup of medicine. The fish, you can eat a fish. You get food at the end of it. You, 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 it's difficult catching the fish. It's difficult landing the fish. It's difficult grabbing hold of the fish. But then you can eat the fish. And so this analogy then goes into the Kundalini stuff. And the tree of life is the Kundalini. The serpent in the tree is the same as the seven serpents behind Buddha. It's the same as the seven planets up your spine, the chakra. They're all the same thing. That these things that work on you unconsciously. My sex drive works on me most of the time unconsciously. I'm always thinking about it. <laughs> it bloody rules me. And if I can make that conscious, take that energy and put it into something else creative, that being a creative force, then I get something good out of it, don't I? I can turn, uh, if it was something sad, you, you could turn your, oh, we keep saying this house blew up. You know, we can turn this house blowing up into a new house or I could write a book about it or whatever else. Yeah. So if, if I knock on quickly, Jesus at the Sea of Galilee, Peter's seen him, cast his nets to the right, caught fish. 
Well, that's exactly the same analogy as a gnome sat on a mushroom catching fish. It's the, called a brain. It's called a brain. <laughs> and if you look on that brain, the left side of the brain is your left brain, the analytical brain. And the right side of the brain is the creative brain. So if you cast your next to the right, the feminine serpent side, because Eve, Eve is to do with that serpent, the serpent side, this unconscious side of you, the moon, the sun being the consciousness, the moon being the unconscious, Saturn being the unconscious. Jupiter, yeah. Yeah. So you can catch these fish. These fish are psychic memes, psychic things. It might be... Uh, See, I had, I had one that came into mind, but I can't. I really can't say it. Why? It, it's, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you another one. I had another one the other day, and that was I was in the bath. I fell asleep in the bath, and the dream was in the bath, and there was a, a squirrel on the side that looked like he needed resuscitating, and he, he came to life, and he swam over to me, and he became a rat. And then after thought, I knew what he meant straight away, and it was that, I've been doing this too much, right? <laughs> Basically, and the way I've been going about keeping my existence going while I've been studying all this stuff has been akin to a rat. Grabbing this from here, getting that from there, I can wheel and deal this, do you get me? Scavenging. Scavenging, yeah. yes, yeah. to get this done. And now that this is being concluded, I need to be more like a squirrel and start things away for the winter. And, you know, and that squirrel wow. is nearly dead. So yeah. that's totally what it was. So the, these are these fish that swim up and I ate that fish. I understood. I, I caught that dream. <laughs> I wrestled it. And then I ate that fish. Now, off to the bottom right, it's, it's not very easy to see, but that is a, a story of Job. Job oh. sends his son out and goes, oh, get me my silver from the bank. Silver is the moon. Silver is the unconscious. The right brain, more than the unconscious, but the right brain deals with the unconscious. Sends him to pick his, get his silver. On the way back, a fish jumps out and swallows his leg. This fish is the same fish as that upside down fish, the same fish he's caught there. And he's like, fucking hell, fish, get it off me. And it's literally swallowed him up to his knee. And then they take it out and beat the crap out of the fish and pull it off. And then like, God, thank God that's over. You know, I need to get this this money back to my dad. And, and that's horrible. Oh, by the way, his dad's blind. An angel comes down. The reason why his dad couldn't go out and pick up the money himself, he's not, he's not lazy, he's blind. An angel comes down, says, oh, don't worry, Job's son. <laughs> Job Jr. Where were you five minutes ago? I've just had a fishing yeah. leg. <laughs> he said, I was always there with you, my child. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> if you take this fish, you can make medicine from it to cure the sight of your father. And that's what he does. He goes home, makes medicine from the brain of the fish, and does it, uses it to cure his father. Essentially, being his consciousness, he, he you know, he's, he's he's healing himself, he's healing his sight, healing his vision, and that through treating everything, good or bad, that's unconscious that comes up philosophically, you can derive medicine from it. And this medicine, because you're dealing with a dual creature, a dual serpent or a dual fish, that duality is a singularity is the same as the pole star because it reunites you. What you need, the food you need to make you whole again is in these duality creatures that 
you're conscious, it's unconscious. Masculine and the feminine come together, make the sacred androgyne and complete the philosopher's stone, essentially. The holy grail, whatever you want to call it. Oh, my word. Right, so we're going to, we'll, we'll do a quick one here. And the way, yeah, we've got two slides and, and then... We'll yeah, we've got to wrap up cool. soon. Yeah. So uh, I think we should come back to this one more little next time well, there's a lot going on there's Fucking a lot going hell. on there's about but, 20 pictures in there yeah but the, this is the story of aquarius and what's in his picture with the ambrosia and what his story is and you can see if you're looking it goes from in the bottom uh you know at six o'clock at the bottom it's no noah's ark and if you go all the way around suddenly you got a bird having sex with a young boy and then we've got magic mushrooms everywhere and uh, that bird having sex with a young boy is God coming to have sex with you, making you his bitch. And the result of that is he gives you his fertilizing spiritual goo <laughs> in a cup. Lovely. In a cup. And was it in uh, mythology, you used to shapeshift Zeus, Zeus and then just go in have, it, have, have sex with mortals. Yeah, he, he's the reproductive principle. He's the sex force that we'll get into. Uh, and then, is that a Rebel Alliance symbol as well? Just on the on the middle picture, okay. bottom left of it, the uh, turn that up. Whoa! Oh, yeah. It's either that or it's, it's a. It, it could be a Romulan warbird. It could, it could be a Romulan warbird. If you flipped it upside down, it's mushroom. All oh, right, yeah. <laughs> but right, so I'd like I'd, I'd like to do this for you quickly, just to show you how at the beginning we, we mentioned. Uh, we'll go, by the way, we're going to go to that last slide again next time. Yeah. But we were talking about uh, these things have several layers of meaning. Now, we, we, there's obviously a moral, the you know, listen to your unconscious, cash your nets to the right, and you, you'll you'll be able to get these little memes of information and be able to decode and use for your life because your unconscious knows what you need. Right now, Jesus, once Peter cast those fish out, Jesus goes. There'll be 153 of those little buggers. Yeah. And Comple sure completely random number. Yeah. And sure enough, there's 153 fish. Now, the Jesus fish comes from, that we can see there on the left at the top, comes from something called the Vesica Pisces or Piscis. Um, you can see why people would say Pisces because it's the fish, but it, it, it means the center of the fish the bladder of the fish they often say or the womb of the fish now a vesica pisces is two circles intersecting each other the edge of one meeting the middle of the other simply put yeah. if you do lots of maths with with this structure which is very, you can see why it's sacred because so many numbers come out of it that are called the metal means. So you get golden ratio and square root of two and all these other things. Well, if you measure from the, uh, if you measure the width of this fish that's created by the two circles coming together, you get two, you basically get, in contrast to the rest of the circles, the square root of three. Okay? Dead simple. And the lowest whole number way of expressing the square root of three is in a ratio. And that is 265 by 153. 
So there's your 153 fishes that you'll catch yeah. with the net to the right. There's lots of other diagrams there to go into it deeper. I don't need to do that. Have a look at those if you want to. But basically, 153 keeps popping up all over everywhere, as does 265. So 153 is the lowest whole number to describe the vesica piscis. As a, 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 to describe the square root of three, which is that ratio that everything built, just comes together. In. Yeah, built in. So the vesica piscis, Best which is like the, the prime... It's like the beginning of sacred geometry. It's it is. the first thing you learn to draw. Yeah. And we can see why uh, it, on, on that left panel, there's uh, a vesica Pisces next to the tail of the fish. And we can see it says like square roots of three, square roots of five, yep. square root of five to do with golden ratio. There's lot. There's lots of amazing things that pop out of that. And Pie. Pie's probably in there yeah, somewhere. It's just, a, you know, yeah. the, literally it will all be to do with pie. Um those, interestingly, are called the metal means, the golden ratio being the golden mean. Yeah. So you can start thinking about what it meant when alchemists were transmuting the metals. Yeah, led to gold. So I think that is actually a perfect place to end it. Excellent. <sighs> Boom. Coming up next time, guys, we've got all the mushrooms you could require to fill your pummet. Excellent. <laughs> Can't wait for that. Well... Gonna have to rewatch this again because there's yeah. just so much, isn't there? Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for coming oh, again, welcome, mate. Yeah, Thanks amazing. For wine. Cheers, Ryan. And uh, we'll be back for part three soon. Yeah. Good uh, luck with that. Yes. <laughs> right. Catch you on the flip side. Don't touch that dial. We'll do some quick news deconstruction and some housekeeping, and then we're fucking off into the night. Bong. Ta-ra. Right then, we're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. That's part two of our chat with uh, Ryan Seven. Wild. <laughs> oh my word, it's late. It's 11 and bells. Yeah, that's it. Mm. What do we normally do? I'm just completely lost. Uh, uh, money. Uh... Housekeeping. <laughs> Housekeeping. Housekeeping. <laughs> This is a value for value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. Lots of ways of doing this. Um, word of mouth is my favourite way. That's a good way. How's uh, that work? It's where you uh, you shoot your mouth off into the ears of others regarding our podcast and spread the message. Spread thus. the message. Yeah. Um, send people links if you uh, know someone who's maybe into esoteric subjects send them a link to this podcast or this YouTube video and uh, see how they how they find it yeah, if you want to twist someone's brain send them a link to this <laughs> particular episode and, and last week <laughs> uh. <coughs> subscribe to the YouTube and Odyssey channels if you want to see how yep. the sausage is made adjust mm-hmm. uh, the interviews on YouTube Part two, full videos on Odyssey, because them tube doesn't like the second halves. Nah. Uh, cuts us off. Leave us a review on iTunes or uh, wherever podcasts are served and forward those reviews to us and we will gladly read them out. Um, engage in the polls as well. Well, we haven't on got Discord. to Discord yet. Merch. You can get wow. your merch from the Amish loot chest. 
If you want a yep. current grape hoodie, literally a communist mug or three weeks to flatten the earth T-shirt, <laughs> go to scroll down to the show notes and you can buy some merch and support us that way. We get a cut. And uh, as Amish Matt alluded to, you can join the Discord server. Link in the show notes for that. And that is the best place to send us news articles, videos, audio clips, timestamped preferably. Um, show artwork. Yeah. I've got a submission for this week, actually. I'll have to just scroll up here um, and I shall reveal. Ooh, you ready? General. You won't see it, Matt, because you're on Zoom, but I'm going to reveal the show artwork for 208 in 3, 2, 1, go. Oh. <laughs> oh, Matthew, it's the most beautiful thing my human eyes have ever seen. I think you I've seen it in Discord, haven't I? I'm sure you have, yeah. There's a, yeah. There's a clock I'm in the a... background. See, Ben, I'm active in Discord, you <laughs> see. There's a what? clock in the background. We have the seven planetary spheres. We have Saturn in the middle with some lightning yes. bolts attracting to Jupiter. And then who's that at the bottom? That statue. Ah, uh, is it Dave Grohl? Is it Krampus? <laughs> Krampus. <laughs> Someone stealing children with wings and horns. Some sort of sphinx type Saturnalian uh, subject stealing your children. Has he got one leg? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell. We'll have to. Thanks to Lee from the Big Conspire for making this artwork. We shall have to. He's in... good, isn't he? It is good. He well, is good at this. It is. We'll have to inquire for the original image to see if that Saturnalian figure, Sphinx-like Luciferian Baphometi, has one <laughs> leg or two, or dos. Dos. <laughs> okay, I'm going to make this disappear. Oh, just like that. Just like that. Uh, what else can you do? Memes for Instagram on Discord. Mm-hmm can request a birthday shout out no birthdays no birthdays this week i just had to check you can there's a thread for guest suggestions that's a good one if you hear someone we only have three pairs of ears you hear someone on another podcast you want to you think they could be a good fit for us um put it in the discord thread and we will endeavor to make it happen yeah you can send us corrections addendums corrigendums to subjects we talk about via the discord um, there's a thread for focus chi requests. If you have a need for the Amish Inquisition community to focus chi in your direction for your given aim, maybe you have um, depleted chi in the form of a health problem. Perhaps. Um, maybe, you know, that's what you need help with. What else could you want focus chi for? Washing the dishes, I don't know. Helping children sleep. It works, didn't it? Yeah. He just he cries now and then goes back to sleep by himself. So I don't have to go in. Yeah. Cool. It works. It works. What's the best way to become a producer? Amish map. Uh, tosses a fucking coin. Toss a coin Absolutely. to Witcher, Do it for the lads. 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 You know, because oh, we're northern and we're bloody miserable and the weather's fucking shit. Yeah, if you go to the uh, the armistinquisition.com, find the PayPal donate button and uh, you can give us a one-off, sign up for a monthly recurring sustaining donation. Uh, donations over £50 will grant you the rank the title of executive producer for that episode, you know. Only you guys can save Blockland and keep this shit show going. Okay. <laughs> Shall we thank the producers? Is it is it time to thank the producers? Seems like it might be. 
I think yeah. it is. It's time, isn't it? It's time to big up the man Dems. Yo. What producers do we have for episode 208? We have Lee from The Big Conspire, Rob Walker, Slicko, Wandering Wyatt, and Nomi Noznodge, and mostly stuffing. Ooh, thank you. Thanks for your support. I've got a new uh, thing on my uh, my talk box, a new preset. Yeah. 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 You're so amazing in your love. They are. Yeah. So amazing. Literally the best mate. Literally. <laughs> the best mate. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> the dwarf, the carrot, the grape, the homophobe, the wind. The corn the blind man is falling on the horizon. Oh, the oh, 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 People have got to understand vaccination is going to be in the end your route to liberty. The magic vaccine. A big fat shot in the ass from hell. Oh you know, it's just, you know, super painful. Being a good responsible COVID citizen is something we should all uh, aspire to. Let's start with Gibraltar. Um, I've got a report here from Gibraltar. Be live from nine. Some very interesting breaking news this evening that Gibraltar isn't doing so well. Despite being the number one most vaccinated place on earth, the little rock with all those monkeys, uh, the lovely baboons, uh, they were all vaccinated and now they've got the biggest inflection rate anywhere in the world and they're saying Christmas is cancelled. So what this tells us is that places like Austria that are penalising uh, the unvaxxed and places like Germany that are threatening to penalise the unvaxxed uh, is pointless because no matter how well you do with vaccination, unfortunately, you can't make a pandemic fucking stop. If you could tell those Jacinda Hardon types down under, that would be wonderful, please. I've got a little uh, addendum from the Evening Standard regarding Gibraltar. Right. Yep. Uh, the Rock has administered at least ninety-four thousand vaccine doses so far. Dwayne Johnson's in Gibraltar. What a fucking legend! That is amazing. Ninety-four thousand doses. <laughs> I didn't even know he was from Gibraltar. Oh, maybe he's just flown in to help out with the vaccination drive. <laughs> just left, right, and centre, jab, jab, jab. What a legend! Yeah, uh, yeah. The Rock has administered at least ninety-four thousand four hundred sixty-nine vaccine doses so far, which is enough to have fully vaccinated. 140.2% of the country's population. Wow. Yeah, but it's not going so well. Anyway, I've got a good little roundup here from Sky News that covers like three topics in a minute. So let's check this out. Austria is to become the first country in Europe to make COVID-19 vaccines mandatory by law. And the country has announced a full national lockdown from Monday. Austria's Chancellor, Alexander Schallenberg, said the lockdown would run for a maximum of 20 days. <laughs> I think we've heard that before, haven't we? 20 days to flatten the earth. 
Yeah, it's, if you said 21 days, then it could have he could have done the three weeks ago. Three weeks to flatten the curve. Better than that. Though. Of the earth. <laughs> uh, mandatory vaccines, that's a big step for a European country, isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm. Yeah, it is. It is. It won't be a case of hold you down. It'll no. be uh, fines and then imprisonment. Which is, you know, to all intents and purposes, holding you down in a prison. <laughs> yeah, I mean... They can't, like, pin you down and jab something in you against your will. That would be inhumane. Right. But they can yeah. find you and then send you to prison. Because that's not... By their logic. Mm. Yeah, interesting move. I can't... It's quite amazing, really, isn't it? It's not even in been out... In, it's not even been out a year yet. Mm. And they're making it... They want to make it mandatory. I'm pretty sure I heard they were saying that this wasn't unprecedented as part of their... Um, <laughs> Uh, spiel behind it, and, and yeah, I'm sure it happened around 1938. Well, that's it. They were saying <laughs> they were saying about smallpox, um, right. I think, and I I can't remember how long ago that was. But in modern times, it is unprecedented, I think, to have a mandatory vaccine, unless it's like yellow fever or something. If you go into specific countries, yeah, I mean, but you I don't think, have to go to those countries, I guess. I think you're on shaky ground if you start comparing smallpox to coronavirus. Well, that's what I thought, because it was such a long time ago, isn't it? What's the fatality rate of smallpox? Lots. 30%, regardless of age. Mm. Let's compare apples to apples, eh? To to justify our vaccine policies, rather than apples to fucking smallpox. (laughs) Anyway, uh, what's the second story they covered in this brief report? Yesterday, the country recorded more than 15,000 new cases of the virus, setting a new record high for daily positive tests. This comes as a fourth wave of the virus is beginning to take hold in Europe. Austria had previously imposed restrictions on the country's unvaccinated population, but will now go into a full national lockdown. That didn't last long, did it? They put... (laughs) I've got a theory behind this. So, they, like, uh, two weeks ago, they announced they'd passed a law which would allow them to lock down unvaccinated people. And then yeah. it came into effect a week ago, and it lasted a week, and then they announced a full lockdown. Ah. Uh, sorry, you'll have to draw that for me. <laughs> well, I'm guessing they realised that a lockdown for unvaccinated people... If they let that run, it would become quite evident within about four weeks that the emperor has no clothes, and it was pointless because vaccinated people can. Ah, uh, right, yeah, yeah, they wouldn't see a drop in infections. Well, of course not. No. And it it sets the message in. So, the first message is, we're going to lock down the unvaccinated because they're the problem. And the Premier of Austria and, uh, not Himmler, what she called, Merkel, have been talking about a pandemic of the unvaccinated. The same has been happening wow. in the States. Right. That's the language they use. Right, so we've pinned it. We've got it on the boogeyman. And uh, Freddie Sayers, for unheard, went to Vienna on the day the law came in and he was interviewing people on the streets, the people who were vaccinated, who were allowed on the streets. Yeah. And Vox popping them and saying... Well, they should they should get vaccinated, shouldn't they? <laughs> Fuck those guys, sort of thing. Uh, but now they've locked down everyone. Uh, Whose fault is it? 
why have you been locked down? You've done your bit. You got vaccinated, and now you're back in lockdown. Mm. Don't blame us. Don't blame the government. It's not our fault. It's those people, the great unwashed, that 33% who refuse to do it. That's divisive. It's exactly what it is. And maybe I'm being cynical, but I think it's calculated that way. Divide and conquer. Yeah. It's politics. It's how it always has been. Does it matter that infection rate is super high if hospitalisation and deaths aren't super high? Well, they're saying that their health systems are about to collapse. Right. Okay. What were they doing last when it was like three times higher? <laughs> what was three times higher? Well, wasn't it? Wasn't it three times higher, or four, or five, or whatever it was last year across Europe? Or is this the worst it's been in Austria? No, I don't think. I, th- I don't think it's as bad as it was in January. Right. Okay. Uh, you know what the difference is? They're getting a lot of um, people in hospital who aren't COVID. The backlog. Ah, uh, of course. Which is what we're getting now in the UK. Yeah. Because we, we cancelled healthcare for a year. Bad move. Bad move. <laughs> I'm sure we said that at the time. I know I certainly did. But a lot of people would just went along with it, didn't they? Well, a lot of the, you know, the people advising the government and that. And mm. We got super focused on one thing and didn't do any cost-benefit analysis and shit. Anyway, regardless, let's carry on. This is a th- I'm sure there's a third story in this clip. Yesterday, the German Chancellor, Angela Merkel, announced lockdown restrictions for those who haven't received an injection in areas struggling with a high infection rate and limited hospital capacity. Meanwhile, here in the United Kingdom, the government has added proof of a third vaccination, so-called booster jab, to the NHS app, uh, as a growing number of countries make it a requirement for travel. All right, so that's the NHS COVID app changing. Mm. It's definition of what is fully vaccinated. And uh, I, we telegraphed this because I picked up, picked up this clip of Bojo earlier in the week saying this. Boosters, it, it's, it's very clear that getting th- th- three jabs, getting your booster will become an important fact and uh, it will make life easier for you in all sorts of ways and we will have to adjust our concept of what constitutes a full vaccination to take account of that. And, uh, and I think that is uh, increasingly obvious. Mm. Yeah, take you, take you. it's got to be three jabs. It was one, now it's two. Now it's three, otherwise... Disqualified! I'm going to the cinema and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And it'll be four and five. I don't know how many... I mean, I can't say, because I've not... I don't think it's any secret I've not had it. But people who are listening who have had it, what's your number? Is it six? How many are you going to take? Six? Five? Um, Seven? I think think I'll be happy with once every three months. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> doesn't it take uh like 21 days to kick in can i just have an iv constantly <laughs> <laughs> yeah injected with nanobots yeah yeah it's getting a bit ridiculous isn't it if it's going to be any more than one Eight, ever what, a year <laughs> well, it's just one that's what know, it was that. meant to be it was meant to be one or Flu maybe fun. you know a, a targeted one for you know older people in the winter like a flu thing yeah you have to get to that, that stage where it's sense. recommended and not not mm. 
you know, tied to doing anything. If it gets to the state that flu vaccine's in, where it's recommended for, for you to mm. have it if you're, you know, in a certain demographic, what's wrong with that? It's the same as same as the flu vaccine. If it got to that stage, but it's, it's not at that stage if well, they're saying it's... long way from there. Right, okay. Are mm. we? Well, we're not there yet, that's, that's for sure. I know. It's supposed to be going on holiday next year as well. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> Disqualified. <laughs> uh, Jordan Peterson's back. Uh, thank God. I've mi- we've missed him throughout the pandemic. And uh, yeah. on this subject, on the subject of vaccines and vaccine passports. Right. And, uh, yeah. He's not happy. No, Jordan's not, he's not happy and he's not playing games. Check this out. You know, Canadians who aren't vaccinated now cannot leave the country. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Why, why is that? And I'm, look, I got vaccinated and people took me to task for that. And I thought, all right, I'll get the damn vaccine. Here's the deal, guys. I'll get the vaccine. You fucking leave me alone. And did that work? No. So st- stupid me. You know, yep. that's how I feel about it. It's like, well, now I have to get tested for COVID when I come back into Canada. I have to get tested before I leave Canada. Now, you know, that might be the latter issue. That's an issue with the Americans. And, and so that's outside of the Canadian purview. But the restrictions to get back into Canada are even more stringent. It's like, well, why to get the vaccine then if you're not going to leave me alone? And I don't think the evidence that unvaccinated or that vaccinated people are less contagious, let's say, I don't think it's very compelling. Yeah. So why are the vaccinated all of a sudden, the unvaccinated all of a sudden a danger? I'll get the vaccine. You fucking leave me alone. That was the deal, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I can understand why he feels stupid. Who's, who's like writ, read or written more about totalitarian regimes than Jordan Peterson? Mm. And he mm. went along with it for an easy life. And now he feels foolish. Hmm. They ain't, leaving, well, they ain't leaving you alone, Jordan. <laughs> you got to say well, no. I thought he moved to um, Florida. He's <coughs> living in Florida now and be happy. Can't be happy in Florida. Uh, he's he's even had it. Yeah, I know. He's had COVID. Oh yeah, he has, isn't he? <laughs> mm. Yep. But I think I think he's turned the corner now. Maybe he's going to be more. Hopefully, he's going to be more outspoken like this, because he's one of the best public speakers we have. Erudite, well-read, professor of psychology. We need people. I mean, the thing is, it's so politically polarizing because the people on the left mm-hmm. will say, "Well, it's that evil Jordan Peterson, who's mm-hmm. a fucking uh, white supremacist, <laughs> white supremacist Nazi." So, and now he's an anti-vaxxer. You know, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's predictable the play that will come. But for people yeah. who are open-minded, they should uh, maybe. I'd like to hear him speak out more on things like this. I do like his voice. Quite Kermit, isn't it? Yeah. Canadian. Enraged. Canadian. I like, I like yeah. that, and I also like the way Boris Johnson says "booster." <laughs> booster. Booster. <laughs> <laughs> Let's. Um, I've got some important info here from um, Sunrise, which is the Channel Seven morning show in down down under. 
trauma or antipathy in France. <laughs> on Channel 7 News, yeah? Sunrise. It's 9 a.m. Sunrise. You're listening in, yeah? Yeah. Good. Now, as Christmas approaches, many of us will be faced with a new dilemma. How to handle unvaccinated loved ones. What's that music in the background? <laughs> I think it's... Uh, it's Mumble number five. <laughs> Whether you should spend time with them over the festive season, set next to them at Christmas dinner. Mm-hmm. So, how do you find out who is vaccinated? And oh, how do you find out? <laughs> I was listening to the music. Listen, you know, watch the watch the people with the crazy eyes. Maybe the room. maybe it's none of your fucking business. Souls. How do you decide whether to invite them over for Christmas lunch? We've got the tips and the tricks to help you avoid awkward encounters. <laughs> they say you can't choose your family, and it's never more relevant than at Christmas. Apart from the glazed ham and stuffed turkey, there'll also be an elephant in many dining rooms this festive season. The vaccination status of your nearest and dearest. I'd invite them. They'd probably need to get a negative test, though. Fucking hell. I hope they're going to take phone numbers as well. I know yeah. someone who was due to go on a night out uh, last night and mm-hmm. the friend of said person asked them to take a lateral flow before they would meet them. Yeah, people are scared still, aren't they? Are they? Yeah. Are they? Or are they just swept up in there? I've just, I've just told you. That's a real-life example. Have you, have you taken a lateral flow before, you, before we meet? Oh, shit. I don't mind, actually, so um, I'm fully vaccinated, so it's fine. I hadn't really thought about it, but probably not. Now the COVID-19 vaccine is widely available across the country and Australia is reopening. This year, we're all facing a very unique predicament. These conversations about whether somebody is vaccinated or not can be challenging because it is a personal question. The past two years has already been divisive enough. So So we'll divide them some more. Let's divide the families (laughs) Christmas time. (laughs) It's never been more important to engage in peaceful and respectful conversations with your loved ones about their vaccine status before you invite them to your house or other social events this Christmas. After you've checked the public health orders for where you live. Yeah, don't forget to go online, check your local public health orders. Make sure what you do is legal on Christmas Day. (laughs) You need to weigh up the risk. Everybody's welcome. Come one, come all. The doors are open. Oh, cool. She sounds cool. Yeah. Is that where the clip ends? <laughs> or you can decide to say, we love you. However, this oh. year we're deciding to err on the side of caution and only vaccinated people are coming for Christmas. Oh, fuck. That's a, co- a bit long-winded, isn't it? What, what am I supposed to, to do then? fuck off. What am I supposed to do then? Well, you're not coming out my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to... Uh, Being a good, responsible COVID citizen is something we should all uh, aspire to. Also being a, a co- good COVID a, citizen. A COVID citizen. Yeah, that's Tim Spector, head of the Zoe app. <sighs> Being a good, responsible COVID citizen is something we should all uh, aspire to. <laughs> Anna's top tips are be upfront. Having the conversation early and directly is paramount. You can blame the health advice for not having unvaccinated guests. Blame the government. 
Ooh, oh, interesting. I'd love to have you for Christmas dinner, you filthy, unclean bastard who hasn't had the jab. But the public health advice says I can't, and I don't want to be a rule breaker. Over or move the celebrations to a venue, then you're guided by their rules. Yeah, just leave me out of any decision making or responsibility. Make the state, I'll just you decide what how I should live, and I will just you know refer to the public health advice or the governor or the mayor, whatever. Just don't make me make the decision to exclude members of my family. This is fucking horrific. Uh, this is mainstream. Channel 7's like the biggest channel in Australia on the biggest morning programme. This is what they're broadcasting. Wow. Alternatively, consider having the celebration outdoors where the risk is less. The government is making decisions for the broader population, but it's up to us to make decisions for what's safe and right for our families. I think most Christmas stuff would be outdoors in, in Australia. Barbecues and that. Summer, isn't it? Yeah. Depends how hot it is, I suppose. Oh, yeah, if it's too hot. Yeah. Burn the COVID away. <laughs> what the Farage? I don't get it. It'll be happening here soon. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it has been on television or in the newspaper about what to do with unvaccinated people at Christmas in the UK as well. There'll have been probably something on daytime TV, I imagine. This morning. Yeah, <coughs> loose women. I'm supposed to be going to mother-in-laws, um, but if she tells me I've got to get a anal swab test, then I'm just not going to go. I'd say, "Get a fucking half-face fucking cow." I'm not having one. What <laughs> would you do? Not having would an anal just, swab test. Would you just stay at home by yourself? Do it by Zoom. What would you? Would you have? Or would you withhold the children? If they're not, if I'm not, coming, well, yeah, they're not. They're vac- not well, they're not vaccinated. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess it's one rule, then, is it? If you're not going to allow mm-hmm. vaccinated people, then I guess I'll just have it'll just be me, Zeus, and the kids at home. You talk much riding Zeus. Spindly legs. <laughs> anyway, should we get away from the COVIDs? Yeah, yeah. I think it's time in it. It's time. To queer up the news. Um, my favourite news channel is World in One News. We on. I played a clip. It's the Indian <laughs> news. Oh, yeah. I played a clip last week. And she's my favourite anchor in the world. Uh, uh, what's she called? Palki Sharma Upadei. And uh, she she covered the uh, the story this week of the Iranian female goalkeeper. Now, a rather bizarre debate has gripped the Women's Football Asia Cup. This debate concerns the gender of an Iranian player, the person you see behind me. Her name is Zore Kudei. She helped Iran defeat Jordan in a qualifier match. Jordan has now accused her of being a man. It wants the Asian Football Confederation to conduct a gender verification probe. That sounds uncomfortable. Where's that going to go? Sounding... <laughs> Maybe it's a bit like an anal swab test. Mm-hmm. She has got big hands. This controversy is strange. Oh shit! Big gloves. Well, you know, my wife's got bigger hands than me. Does she play goals for Iran? 
No, I, I bet well, she, she could did, be. She did, did disappear to Asia the other day. <laughs> really? Just for a photo yeah. op. <laughs> told, told this in in these gloved hands. <laughs> why, why are her hands so big? I don't know. And she got bigger feet than me. I think it's because mine are perfectly formed, dainty hands. I think it's just good genetics, Matthew, and you're just jealous. <laughs> Maybe. Is she like the uh, the Vic and Bob Lloyd Grossman? <laughs> the ghost <laughs> of Lloyd Grossman. Has <laughs> spoons. Spoons and forks at the end of his fingers. Mm, um, let's I see think... what's happening in kitchen number two. <laughs> is, she like, is she like that? No. Oh. Um, she probably wishes she had cutlery at the end of her fingertips. I never sucked any ding-dongs. Useful. So have they figured it out whether this Iranian goalkeeper is... It's not been probed yet. Oh, man. And apparently job. apparently, the Iranians have form in this matter. Do they? Really? <laughs> yeah. Fielding non-gender conforming players it's weird like uh, if she he the keeper saved i think two or three penalties in the penalty shootout right a big unit (laughs) and um the news the article drew attention to the iranian players kit Mm. so they wear headscarves yeah that um, cover the head and the neck uh, long sleeved, they're not allowed short sleeves, and they have to wear leggings as well. Right. Mm. So the only bit of the skin you can see is the face, just the oval of the face. So, well, the Hard square to face. Hard to tell. Yeah, the square jaw. Yeah. If it's a chap wearing leggings, though, I mean, you might be able to tell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's very strange. Chest feeding. Um <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll, we'll find wait. Out. Well, yeah. we'll wait for an update. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should track this story. I maybe it's of uh, maybe it's of global importance <laughs> that it requires, uh, you know, revisiting. Absolutely. All right, let's go over to BBC South, uh, where they were discussing making jewelry for Christmas presents, homemade jewelry. Is it out of teeth or something? <laughs> Really good idea, isn't yes, it? Yes, very good idea. You have made your own jewellery? I did use my earrings to my friends and family for Christmas, but I don't think they're that, they were that impressed. I, I made once made a, a necklace out of teeth ah, for yes. a girlfriend. Oh, that's lovely, for a girlfriend. Yeah, it didn't last long. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> I swear yes, I've not, not seen that, eh? He don't give a fuck. He don't give a fuck. Where did he get his teeth from? I don't know. I do not understand why this guy said this on live TV. Out of teeth. Maybe you should, like, smash them out of people's jaws on nights out. Collect them. Collect them and then... I made once made a necklace out of teeth for a girlfriend. Oh, Christ. Just wisdom teeth. Like <laughs> universal soldier. Yes, maybe. Maybe it was just... Because we've been bored and we want to have fun. There's nothing more fun than making teeth necklaces. Do we know who that guy is? Can we track him down? He's the anchor. I, I can find him. Oh, he's I the didn't... anchor. He's not a. He wasn't the guy interviewed, being interviewed. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> There's the male and female anchors talking. Oh, oh what? God. Hey, what? 
Ew, cancel him immediately. Mm. I've got uh, I've got one more story. If you want, before we fuck off into like the night. You're like a tall building. Yeah, come on. Come on then. Okay, a uh, £480 woman charged with involuntary manslaughter after husband died while performing, performing oral sex. <sighs> An Ohio woman has been sentenced to involuntary manslaughter after her spouse was found dead minutes after he had performed oral sex on her. Annabelle Gaston, 28, was arrested last year after calling 911 when her husband, Erwin Gaston, 31, had a cardiac arrest while apparently being suffocated to death. Gaston told the 911 operator at the time that she was sitting on her husband's face while he was giving her cunnilingus when she realised his skin changed colour. And his toes. (laughs) Quote, We were having sex and he started eating me pussy. I was just sitting on his face for like 25 minutes when his legs turned a greenish-blue colour. She told 911 operator at the time in horror. 25 minutes. <laughs> Franklin County District Court Judge Henry Miller sentenced Annabel Gaston to 10 years, 6 months, after he judged her sexual practices, quote, extremely dangerous behaviour and a completely reckless conduct for a woman of her size. Get a clue. <laughs> to prove this... The prosecutor showed documents attesting that paramedics took at least 12 minutes to release the head of Erwin Gaston from the inside of Annabel Gaston's genitals. Inside? Whoa. That's going the extra mile. <laughs> His head can't have been inside. <laughs> the time of death is estimated to be 17 minutes before the 911 call and 59 minutes after Erwin Gaston's head was removed from the inside of the defendant's genitals he said in court before delivering his sentence. She <laughs> she suffocated him with her twat. Like, internally. I, um, I don't know what to say. I'm astonished. Erwin Gaston was also hospita- hospitalised last year, only weeks after the couple's honeymoon, after, quote... Large amounts of faecal matter had entered his lungs during oral anal intercourse, according to a medical report presented in court. Fucking hell. (laughs) Faecal matter in his lungs. (laughs) She shit herself. Can't! I think think you just need to cut it dead there, the podcast. Well, he's dead, so... uh, (laughs) You know, in general, you always have to be careful. You do, Bill. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> something else. Oh, God. Well, I read it out. Uh, producer Rob found that story for us, and I fact-checked it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's false. Oh, producer oh. Rob. But I had you going. What can I say? Oh. I even believe the fecal matter in the lungs. That's the best yeah. bit. It is the best yeah. bit. That's what makes <laughs> it believable. So are you saying he survived? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, was it just the first bit that was false? <laughs> are you not entertained? I suppose we better go, aren't we? Oh, we should. Yeah. Fucking hell. Well, he's dead, so... Uh... <laughs>
you know, in general, you always have to be careful. I like what you got. Good job. I would say so. I thought it was a good job of podcast. It was a good job. I'm struggling, though. I'm a bit weak. I'm too weak. Please. Praise Jabalon and all the Elohim. Yeah. Yeah, those lads. Lads, lads. I look like a war-hardened goblin. Epstein didn't McAfee himself. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about McAfee. Build back butter. Build back butter. Cut off your genitals, gouge out your eyes, die! Right, we'll see you next week then. We're signing off. Take Ta-ra. care. Bye. Boot you take your eyes. Cut a great. This is such a crock of shit. Being a good, responsible COVID citizen is something we should all uh, aspire to. I made once made a necklace out of teeth for a girlfriend. Oh. Say, plot lamb. I'll get the vaccine. You fucking leave me alone.